0: Hey there, welcome to motorcycle. and Misfits, <sighs> not at the <laughs> Recyclocross. Coming
1: to you from BDX, BDX Airport. In Portland,
2: Oregon. No, PDX is the airport. No. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> 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 what? These people. No. No, we have not been mm-hmm.
1: yeah.
0: Seriously. Hey, everyone. So we have just spent a long weekend together here yeah, at the One Moto Show in Portland. Uh, with you tonight, you got me. This is Liza. Next to me, we've got Mikey three Time. Hello. We got Naked Jim. <laughs> We got the
2: begler. Ding, 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 ding.
0: And Miss Emma.
2: Hello, darling. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> and,
3: and a remnant well, yeah, of Nock. You no, no, she wants another uh, strawberry please. And, uh, you know, hard. I'll take another lemon drop, please. Thank you.
0: Say hi, Nock. He's pooping. And uh, we're, we are sitting here at a restaurant having our last meal. Uh, Don't boy,
3: like that. <laughs> we're about to go on a plane. You can't say this is our last meal, man. That's not cool,
0: y'all. This has been uh, a long, great weekend.
2: It's been a wild weekend, that's but awesome. what yeah, a great a experience! Involved.
0: So, uh, for those who first time here, uh, Bagel, Emma, and Mike, do you guys want to kind of walk us through what the one motor show experience is like? What do you think, Mike?
4: I shared a room with Emma.
2: <laughs> yeah, we spooned. We 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 actually spooned. He who he was should, the, who was I, a big spoon? Uh, uh, <laughs> I was the big spoon. <laughs> Mikey was a little spoon. But no, yeah, the, really thing is, no around, the thing is, no, the thing is, the thing is with Mikey. The thing is, you know, he looks like Vin Diesel, but he's actually quite cuddly and soft. He's, it, it was like being in bed with a large teddy bear. That's true. You know. It's very nice. All
0: right, back to the one show. Bagel, what did you think? First time there.
1: I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, the the variety of bikes that were there, um, from literally bikes that were like 116 years old to brand new bikes, um, custom, original, restored, stock, modified, crazy, wild, uh, just amazing Art pieces, scooters, style, like and scooters. 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 There were scooters there, which mm. was fantastic too, uh, and some really cool scooters. I was very, very impressed.
0: Uh, Emma, can you describe the building it's in?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an old pickle factory. It's kind of derelict, actually. It's I mean, where it's, crimes happen. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was kind of like a crime scene. It's one of those buildings that, if you squint one way, it's a very nostalgic piece of <laughs> American history. On the other side of the coin, if you squint the other way, it's a complete dump. But it was very atmospheric. It were a lot of wide open spaces, two levels, lots of. There were big rooms, there were little rooms, little nooks that you can kind of explore. There were dark areas and light areas. A very interesting building. It uh, looked like they used to make pickles there. Yeah, apparently. That is why it was called a pickle
3: factory. Yes.
0: And the thing I liked about it, there's art on the wall, there's bands playing, there's a, food trucks outside. And you
3: know uh, what? They weren't, like, gnarly fair prices. They were, it was like three bucks a beer, no. or four bucks a beer.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, and you got some bagels and,
2: and, and uh, sandwiches, you
3: know, three, $4 or $4 dollars or something like that. And you know, prices.
2: It, I mean, if you want to distill the show down to a couple of sentences, I mean, it's a, it's a very authentic, very accessible show. The bikes themselves, although there were some, they weren't all high dollar bills. Um, as you said, the food was quite reasonably priced. The bands were kick ass. It was, it was a complete experience. The art was great. So it was a very well run show. Yeah, yeah, we had a good time.
0: And, and all the vendor spaces too. Lot to see, lot to do. Really, there was a full menu there I would say.
5: 24 hours uh-huh. and then some get rented for a week so it all depends I mean there's a lot of variety
6: right. Of how long
5: take. all right hey there we're here at the one
7: motorcycle show the 10th anniversary edition and there's a lot of amazing bikes as usual here in Portland but there's one that's just kind of blowing us all away it, it's a rabbit hole of a motorcycle so it's Saturday afternoon we're here with Jay from Madhouse Motors out of Boston Massachusetts Jay, cool, man.
8: Yeah, no, I'm glad that you guys you guys stopped and found this bike uh, worth checking out.
7: Yeah, okay, so describe a little bit, as best you can, describe our listeners what you have going on here for a motorcycle.
8: So, this is a 1957 Royal Enfield Indian, uh, it's Royal Enfield motor, Just the Indian badges are just branding, Royal Enfield bought the name, um, that I... Built a little bit as kind of a, a playful challenge to myself. Um, last year I built a BSA, which started with a pull start. I've never seen a bike that had started with a pull start. Right. And so after that I was like, oh, what else can I do to kind of push myself? And so I'm thinking one night, I've never seen a bike with a gas pedal. Right. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. It's dangerous. It's a little bit stupid. So uh, I wanted to. take Yeah. it's, it's Typically
7: off. where your brake is. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll make it a gas pedal. So,
8: exactly. Yeah, excellent, uh, I like that. And so, I wanted to build a bike with a gas pedal, so I got really kind of, uh, I don't know, fired up at the idea of this, and so I built this bike that works with an internal tank shift, mm-hmm. a left hand clutch, so you pull in the clutch with your left hand, Right. you shift through a channel that I cut through the tank, yeah. and you give it gas with your foot i all when letting the clutch out.
7: The whole thing is pretty amazing and we'll put some pictures on the podcast. But Emma, yeah. when you know when you kind of came up on this bike, you could tell what this what the original bike was immediately. I what jumped out these, at
2: you. I remember these bikes as original pieces. And the thing that's amazing about this machine is just the level of customization on it. It's 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 everywhere. You have been everywhere on this bike
8: yeah i mean what what i kind of got obsessed with at one point was trying to make each part of the bike a conversation piece in itself so if you're only looking at a sliver of it have it be a sliver that your eye is attracted to but my main thing was kind of just to have fun um, yeah. and not have a bike that's too intimidating oh i don't want to scratch it i don't want to drop it right. i need to get fancy chrome i'm just like i, I don't really care i just want to have something that I can giggle about while I'm making it, and then push myself.
7: Well, I'll say you seem like you're a bit of a masochist because just the linkage from the shifter down looked like that was just crazy, just that one piece of it.
8: Yeah, that was one of
2: the hardest parts, If, If we can talk about the linkage, you see, to me as a builder, This bike, what it encompasses, it's urban art, but it it. goes beyond urban art, so let's just consider the linkage that's within the tank. What you've done is you've cut a section out of the gas tank, but here's the master stroke. The plate that the linkage sits in, you've actually recessed into the tank, so it's flush. And yep. that, to me, that is what raises the level of the build. Nine times out of 10 people have just put the plates on the top, but this is actually within and flush with the top of the tank, it's
8: wonderful. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Actually doing the tank in the is was the hardest part of the, of the entire project. Um, when I cut the channel for the tank, the, the actual tank of this is probably 20 gauge. And I, being a little paranoid, put in a piece of quarter inch stock. And if you ever tig weld, welding twenty gauge to quarter inch is near impossible. Well
3: I think the is a pain in the ass. It's
8: super thin, mind you, the tank is dirty, so I'd be welding on one side trying to make a pass or a stitch and it'd blow a hole on the other side of the tank. And so the tank was one of the most challenging parts that I wound up having to reinforce the top with two other plates just to make sure that I'd have no leakage.
2: So we're going to include with this interview. We're going to include a, a great many pictures of this cool. bike. Uh, distill it down. What is the piece on this bike that is your favorite? What do you, What did you take the most pride in? Saying that's
8: I don't know. There's so
2: much of it. All
8: right. This might sound weird. What I take the most pride in is that I actually view this bike as a character.
9: Right. So I had built,
8: I built a bike last year. That when I stepped back from it, when it was done, I viewed it like this little British street fighting boy. And I viewed this bike like his mom, this older dark woman with you know a big skirt and sits chainsaws. Oh. and chainsaws. So and I viewed it like his mom, and it took. I in a way I felt like I was uh, working to paint this picture of my imagination. And not necessarily with the individual parts of the bike but the energy of it and so for example at one point i had all the leather white right and i had it white i had my friend do the upholstery i sent him the pieces of sheet metal to stitch and it came back and i was like you know what that's not it can't be white it's not the energy of it so i think the part that i'm most proud about is that i was in my head for months viewing this woman, viewing this woman, viewing this woman, and I felt like I needed to create her, and it it became an obsession. And now I kind of feel like I I got her out, like a little mini exorcism of myself, like, (laughs) okay, she's done, I I honored the idea, and I made her. And it's not necessarily about the individual parts, but it's the whole algorithm of everything working together to create the uniform vibe, which for me is really, I think, an imagination... Know tickler that i needed to you know get done for everyone else they see as individual parts but for me it's like this was a whole character like yeah. a i don't know like a 1920s oil painting right. that i needed to get out of my system i'm
7: looking at so, the bike in a whole different way now
8: so, so
2: jay here's a question did you have did you know the bike was gonna look like this before you started, could you close your eyes and
8: see yeah, the bike so I have, or did it develop as you were building I it? have drawings of this bike before I ever touched it. Right. And um, are they similar to this? They are. They so are. So
2: you, you had a vision and you followed it.
8: Yeah, I mean things change and evolve along the oh, yeah. way um, quite a lot. But the stance of the bike was something that I really wanted to, to create. The actual, the original drawing had a big fender in front also. Um, but I think with the massive stretch that I made to the to the swing arm, the front fender would have elongated it so much that you wouldn't get the pullback with your eye when you look at it. So when you look at it, your eye kind of continues along with the line. Like, a lot of the lines are complementary, and the front fender is the only thing that I ditched.
3: When did you start uh, fabricating? How did you get into welding and building, pounding metal, doing all that shit?
8: Um, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to, like, stick weld on random stuff in my dad's yard. I never went to school for any type of fabrication, metalwork, mechanic, nothing. Um, I did some blacksmithing at one point. But uh, no, it's all just trial and error. But I also am very lucky that I'm around a lot of unbelievably talented people who I am very, very blunt with asking for lessons. So I go to people and I say, hey, will you teach me how to do know precision stainless steel exhaust welding
3: a lot of the times people are like really happy to tell you like yeah you want to learn some new stuff I'm gonna teach you because they're they're really into that right
8: to learn from people I love to learn from people so uh, So, I reach out all the time so something maybe you could
7: because there's so much going on here you can't describe it all in detail but could you do maybe a little speed round and just touch Um, on like the headlight itself that's awesome but maybe just walk us
8: quickly through each neat little feature all right let's do it so the headlight is an old police light that I cut down, yep. so that when you turn it on, you can actually rotate the direction of the light. Uh, the springs on the bars are just fork springs. The gas cap is actually an old gas canister cap that I uh, remade the, in, the ID so it could fit the OD of the actual tank, and I, you know, I left two kind of opposing lips so that it can swirl on. The shift lever is from a lathe handle that I cut and heated up uh, and bent, so it could kind of work with the line of the tank. This thing was normally flat, but I wanted you know, yeah, it to have a smooth, fit the tank. and I just welded it on. Um, where your feet sit is on granite devices, which are to measure your shoes. The gas pedal is a hay hook, so it's how you pick up hay, which is the gas pedal, and I just welded there, it on. Oh, no
7: way, it is. Okay.
8: No, That's what you use you see to pick that? you used to pick up a bunch of Yeah, yeah, like a gap almost, yeah. What holds the the foot mounts is a upside down triple tree from my son's mini bike. I wound up having to (laughs) buy him another one. Um, the seat is the steering yoke of a little red wagon. Oh, shit. Yep. Oh,
7: yeah. Right. That's that's the coolest. I I don't know. It's all cool, but that's pretty awesome. Um,
8: this was the oil reserve tank on a chainsaw. Okay and the fender is actually the only thing that's true to indian which is a 1945 fiberglass fender from an indian chief that i had to cut and stretch um, with a water jet piece of aluminum that we then rolled. and the taillight is a vintage egg slicer
0: hold on say that one more time
8: the tail light is an egg slicer <laughs> <laughs>
9: It really is a character.
3: You want it, on? it really is a character. Does it have a name?
8: Um, I was calling it the Devil's Advocate up until kind of a conversation with my son, and he's like, "But that's not a good thing. You're not supposed to play Devil's Advocate with people." I was like, oh, all right, I'll think about something else." But it's just the bike. It's the just bike. the bike now.
7: So um, do you feel like you got this one completely out of your system?
8: No. No, I have a couple more things I know I have to do to it before I can tuck it away. All
7: right, so so is there anything aside from this that's on the horizon?
8: This might sound very weird, but I want to build her daughter. Okay. Let's hear about her daughter. I don't know who she is yet, but I view her like a, she's much younger than all the other bikes. Um, she's she's young, she's like blonde, so like a stainless steel and yellow, kind of malnourished, um, dainty, like a underestimated little girl. The Keynesian? Yeah, she's like, she's quiet and pale but has like a twist, like she shoots fire, you know? Like maybe she was a pyromaniac or something like that. Yeah. So she's she's small, I can like feel her. She's like the one that everyone forgets about, but she does something like burst fire, you know? And so I can like feel it, I just don't know. I know what bike I'll build her on, but I don't know what I'm doing now. Okay.
3: Would it be fair to say like the theme for now is family, Is it's if it's a general a, thing? Uh,
8: it's a... It's a series of of rambunctious family of bikes.
3: It's like a a triptych uh, art piece, I guess. You get if 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 it's the third one's coming out.
8: Yeah, I view it like I'm I'm building a. I don't know. It's a series. It's a little series of bikes. Cool. So one thing I'm going to ask
2: you: We're surrounded by a lot of veteran builders. Yeah. Some of them are in their 50s. Some of them are in their late 40s. You're very young, aren't you?
8: oh i'm the, I'm the rookie in the house.
2: no no, no I'm not I'm... gonna say the rookie, but you are young.
8: yes'm I'm, I'm young.
2: And you've brought this vitality to this bike and that's that's why we're talking to you now because it is so refreshing. you've basically thrown out a lot of the stereotypes of bike building and a lot of the you can't do that. Well, you've done it. And it's
8: right here. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm still learning, and I even though this style is fun, I want to at some point move on to a completely different style, and then practice that, then move on to a completely different style.
2: So I'm, I'm so looking forward to seeing Miss Spike's daughter. I think it's going to be wonderful.
8: Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that one.
7: So uh, so Jay, how do we find you online? Like. Uh, You in the garage? How do we find you guys?
8: We have a website, madhousemotors.com. The shop Instagram is at madhousemotors on Instagram. My personal one is just my name, Jay. My last name is Shia, S-H-I-A. And, uh, yeah, check us out.
7: I really appreciate you taking the time. A lot of people are walking around this bike. So thanks for taking the time to talk with us. And we can't wait to see what gets birthed down the road. I know,
8: I know. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great interview. Thank you.
1: Great. So, uh, tell me your name.
10: Uh, my name is Dan Green.
1: And uh, where? What, what? do you? Who do you work with, Dan?
10: Uh, I work with uh, Cake. We are a Swedish electric uh, motorbike company.
1: Swedish electric.
10: Yeah, based wow. out of Stockholm.
1: Oh, very cool. And uh, you have a couple of bikes here at, at the one show. Uh, tell us about them.
10: Uh, We brought uh, one of the two uh, versions of our calc model. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of them is an off-road only. One of them is a street legal, 50-state street legal bike, which we just launched last week in Denver at the Outdoor Retailer Show. Oh, cool. So both of those guys are here.
1: Okay. And uh, can you give me some specs on the bike? What's the uh, the range? What's the top speed?
10: Uh, Range, typically we go by time. It's an easier sort of thing for people to sort of digest. Okay. Uh, Especially and worst case room. scenario, about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, if that's in ride mode 3, which is the most aggressive ride mode, and if you just kept it pinned, uh-huh. it would go for about an hour, hour and 15 if you use it for intended purpose, which is either commuting and or trail exploration and shredding, uh, you get anywhere from two and a half to three and a half hours of real real world usability. We okay. have never tried to hypermile it, mm-hmm. so we don't know how long it'll actually go for. Could be four hours, could be five hours, could be six hours. We don't know.
1: Okay. Wow. So, uh, how big is the uh, the battery pack?
10: Um, it's well, it's two point six kilowatt. Okay. Um, and it's fifty one point six uh, uh, amp hour.
1: Okay. Cool. And what, uh, do you know what the voltage is on the drive uh,
10: system? I don't off the top of my head.
1: Okay. Um, and uh, so these bikes are made in Sweden, you said? They are. And, uh, and they're fully uh, able to be sold and ridden on the street here in the U.S.?
10: Yeah. We we, uh, we worked with all the international agencies. Um, since we're an international company, we sell worldwide um, to make sure that we... we were abiding by any sort of laws and regulations as far as street homologation was concerned mm-hmm. for the world. So when we dealt with Italy, we made sure that our bikes that get delivered there by their standards, and, yep. you know, Holland and the U.S., everybody's good to go.
1: Okay, and uh, by the looks of them, these uh, are intended to be uh, like around town urban uh, bikes or off-road, off-road bikes, right?
10: Yeah, so original concept was an off-road sort of trail exploration tool like Mm -hmm. a fun thing like like a you think of a a kayak for the you know waters and stuff right Um, and then we started to develop a second completely different model and um there was such a push and, and sort of a quest for us to make a streetable version of that bike uh-huh. that we shelved the other one for a second while we completed the homologation and got it pushed through to be street legal. And now we'll launch our next one probably sometime third quarter of this year, twenty nineteen. Oh very cool. Yeah.
1: And and what's uh what's what are the specs on the new model?
10: I can't talk about it. Oh that. we can't talk about <laughs> it Okay, <laughs> we gotta, we'll have to wait we and see. Wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Cool.
1: And uh and what's the price on the bike?
10: So the street legal one is mm-hmm. fourteen thousand, and that's delivered to your door, ready to go. Okay. The off-road only one is thirteen thousand, delivered to your door.
1: Okay, cool. And what's the top speed on the bike?
10: The the street one will do about sixty, sixty-five. Wow, nice. And the off-road only one will do about fifty.
1: Okay. So they geared a little differently for yeah for a we.
10: We, we tried everything during the development processes, and, and honestly, 50 miles an hour on off-road trails is plenty, and it oh, gets damn. there really quick if <laughs> no you're doubt. in, you know, with the electric motors. Nice. Um, and then the street one, we just made it a little bit sort of easier and manipulated the uh, controller a little bit so that it's not as torquey. Because an electric motor, as opposed to an internal combustion engine, they don't know any different. So right. it's not like just slap a, a smaller chain ring on the back and it'll be slower to accelerate but have a higher top speed. Mm-hmm. actually an electric motor doesn't know any different it right. makes the same amount of torque yep. as long as it can draw the power from whatever its energy source is so it will accelerate exactly the same and go that much faster right so tweaked a little bit
1: Yep. pretty yeah. cool and and the the look of these bikes is really really clean yeah. um, they're they're all done in white and, uh, and, and uh, with a little bit of color accent yeah um, and the look seems it looks very much like a trials bike it's very minimalistic very sleek um, I, I really—it's a very, very, very nice look to
10: them. I have to say. Thanks. Yeah, we uh, we kept it really simple. There, mm-hmm. We, we wanted to be as as simple and easy to use as possible. Um, there's relatively no maintenance on them, mm-hmm. uh, and you, no special tools required for any maintenance that you do want to do. Yep. Uh, so, and the way that they—they're more of like a bicycle up rather than a motorcycle down type right. of design. Right and we actually started from like from scratch we took we knew the electric drivetrain that we were going to use and we literally built for functionality around that very nice and uh
1: and how how long ago did the company start developing this bike
10: real really really um probably about two years through two and a half years ago okay um but like it's been a probably a four-year process in total about four years now Mm -hmm. um with lots of sort of like just accumulating knowledge of what already existed on the market with everybody, like all the other brands that were out there, mm-hmm. to get an idea of what existed and what was missing and then what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then we built ours sort of based on that knowledge and all of our sort of collective collective know-how.
1: Okay, cool. And uh, anybody who's been involved with electric vehicles knows that the... The crucial component of an electric vehicle is the battery. Yeah. So, tell me a bit, little bit about the battery. Uh, who, who is the cell manufacturer? How is it put together? Uh, how, did, how was the development process? I'm curious we, to know more about that.
10: Yeah, yeah. We um, we use a very standard 18650 cell, which okay. is pretty much common across the board for any type of like EVs. Um, they've got a great uh, they've got great capacity and, and output and uh, stability as long as they're you know made by good manufacturers and all from the same batch so Mm -hmm. it's a proprietary battery for us we use cells from one of the three main manufacturers panasonic lg and samsung yep on any given day one of them is the leader of battery technology at the time okay but they're pushing so hard you know refining and refining and refining the 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 cell technology that like i said on any given day it's one of them so Mm -hmm. we always mandate that they're from the same batch we use our connectors, our weld specs, our battery cell holders, everything. Our bo- our container, everything. Yeah. Um, so we haven't had any failures or anywhere close to it in our batteries. They are, as far as I'm concerned, sa- the safest things on the planet. Nice.
1: So and so these are, this is standard proven technology.
10: Yep. And the the pack is your own design, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, we use. Uh, the way that they roam, it's a four, I think we use a fourteen by twelve, mm-hmm. uh, and the battery itself is self-contained. And then we have the battery management system is also attached, piggybacked onto that uh, battery housing. Yep. So it takes care of everything, prevents thermal runaway. Nice. It's really, really tight and secure. Very cool. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Well, that's that sounds like a really good product and i um, hoping to see some of those out on the streets soon.
10: Thanks man, yeah, we, we hope. <laughs> yeah. Do
1: you have any specific markets that you're targeting to, to start with?
10: No, we're sort of a we're direct-to-consumer. Oh really? We're oh, online okay. sales, so if you, it's a simple process too. If you go on the page, it's a little green button that says buy now, mm-hmm. click that, it's a $200 down payment and then it'll take a couple of months before delivery starts mm-hmm. and when your bike is ready to be delivered, We'll contact you again at that time. We also have, we'll present you with a, a payment plan. We go through a company through called a firm mm-hmm. for financing. Yep. So you've got that squared away as well. Right. Really simple. We make it as easy as we can for the customer. That's like great. If they want one, we want them there. Nice. And now one thing, though, that, that a lot of people are going to think is that,
1: oh, well, if I'm buying a bike through mail order, well, where am I going to take it to get it fixed? I mean, there's no dealers. There's no shops that know these things. What will I do if there's a
10: problem? So while we are direct-to-consumer, we are setting up uh, what we call cloud retailers. So those are shops that either buy bikes in batches of five, Mm -hmm. and then they can sell directly at the showroom floor, Uh and they can also operate as a service center. Interesting. The second one is a, a category B retailer where they have one bike, which serves as their show bike, demo bike, and any sales they generate they get a commission off of the sales that they generate directly through them. Okay. Again, they can also be set up as a service center. So we're literally in the process of doing that. We've got about 10 right now or 12 online for the U.S., uh-huh. Uh, and as as we sort of like maybe in the next month or two, we'll probably add that to the website and everything. So you'll be able to see locally where you can go to get it fixed. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So we're from Santa Cruz, California. Yeah. Uh, are there any uh, dealers in the Bay Area?
10: Yet? Not yet. I'm actually, I'm heading there from the show uh-huh. for, for a couple of meetings to, to talk to some people. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah.
1: And uh, and then for as far as regular maintenance goes, uh, what's the maintenance schedule on the things? <laughs>
10: It's really, really arduous. Is it? You have to clean the bike. Oh my goodness! lube the chain periodically. What? And plug it in.
1: How, how can anybody deal with that? <laughs> I mean, that's that—that's just too much.
10: That's it. That's it. There is, like I said, there isn't really any maintenance, and we've got good warranty coverage on the bike. Where if there's any issues, you know, we'll cover it. If there's a motor issue or a battery issue. We want the customers to have a really good experience, you know, with the bike and and being outdoors and being, you know, respectful to nature. So, if anything arises, warranty is a pretty wide scope of what we cover, you know. And if you're driving it off cliffs and everything, we might, you know, question it. But yeah. as long as it's under normal operating <laughs> conditions, if it has any sort of issues, yeah, we'll take care of it. That's
1: cool. Yeah. And I imagine there's the typical tires, brake pads, uh, brake fluid, and stuff like that
9: too.
6: Yeah,
10: normal wear and tear items. Yeah. And We have our catalog of spare parts are already online. Mm -hmm. Um, Once we start delivering the first bikes, it will go live. You can look at it now, but you can't click to order. But you can see everything's laid out, ready to go. We have a back stock already built. Mm -hmm. But right now, the only bikes that are out there are the 50 limited edition ones that we delivered uh, from the beginning of last year. So once these production ones start delivering uh, next month, Mm -hmm. or the end of this month, actually, uh, it'll go online. And you can order them they come to your house, and like I said, if you're even slightly mechanically inclined, it's like working on a bicycle. Yeah. We, we kept every aspect of it super, super simple yeah. so that you could work on it yourself and don't need any special tools.
1: Right, and that's something that, that I think is, is a, a, a market niche that's being highly overlooked yeah. because a lot of modern bikes are, are very complicated these yeah. days, uh, gas bikes specifically. Yeah. So people tend to be... You know, less likely to work on them yeah. but this is a bike that that anybody with just a basic set of tools could could really do any kind of repair on so even if the motor goes out and you know, they could you could you could ship the customer a new motor yep. they could install it themselves and send the old one back yep. right that's 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 a very cool and very uh very attractive option i think for people who like to wrench and you know, yep. don't want to spend uh, a lot of money for for repairs and maintenance
10: yeah we'll um once with the service centers and stuff like that, and we had thrown around the idea of actually producing videos like pub for the public in case they wanted to just small things like that. Obviously, maybe for a motor swap, you'd want to take it to a service center or have a service center come by. We've we've also sort of been in talks with a company called Velofix. They're a sort of concierge um, bike repair. Yep. They have vans that travel around. They'll come to your house, work on it for you. And that's the, the best option is for us, too, because they're so simple. They're basically like bicycles. But you know, we're swapping out a motor is a little bit more time intensive. You know, it takes an hour maybe. Yeah. But it's it's nothing special. It's just the sort of like the getting in there. Yeah.
1: Know? And it's it's going to be easier and quicker than, than any gasoline. Oh yeah. Motor. So I don't know.
10: Like, I mean, that's an hour for uh, like from standing next to the bike with, like I said, relatively little, you know, mechanical experience to having the motor swapped out and you're ready to go again yeah so it's really really simple yeah that's very cool yeah
1: and I, 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 I as as a wrench my, wrencher myself that's yeah. uh, that's a very appealing option. yeah yeah cool and um all right well uh thank you very much for for your time and thanks for bringing your bikes here to the one show uh, i was pleasure. very very stoked to see another electric bike entering the market yeah and uh wish you success and hope to see more of them on the road soon
10: thanks so much all my right pleasure thanks
1: dan thanks.
0: You mentioned there were a lot of bikes there to see. Um, One of the highlights for me, um, they had the custom mini bikes. And I didn't know what to expect. This is uh, similar to the bikes that we bought, the electric ones, but these have the little pull start. Um, Did you all have a chance to take a look? And and I'm wondering if you guys had picked your favorite.
3: Uh, I think I think pretty much almost everybody's favorite was the uh, the muff diver. <laughs> <laughs> the seventies uh, well with, uh, with a lot of the sparkle paint and the uh, layered paint and the lace pattern and the marijuana leaves on it and it's got the fuzzy seat.
0: Didn't have Cheech Marin on the tank.
3: Yeah, I had Cheech Marin on the tank. And, and the name of the bike
1: is actually Pedro de Pacas, Penny which de Pacas. is the name of his character from the yeah. Movie.
0: And uh, it looked like a a seventies. Miniature version of 70s chopper with the, the two-level seat with a high back with uh, lights all down the back.
3: All the way down the back, candy flake, paint, absolutely spectacular build. That paint job was worth more than the bike. Oh, absolutely. Kind of thing. Well, i that, like, that was that was the
7: one mini bike you really couldn't tell what it started out as. When you look at all the other ones, that were all really cool. Some were simple, some were more intricate. But that was the one where you're like, what did they even start with? So they, whoever did that one, they put some yeah. time into oh, yeah. that
6: one.
0: So we're walking around the show, and uh, this guy comes up, and he's putting out some stickers. And I'm like, "That's a good idea. I didn't think of that." And then he pulls out this really awesome bag, and this is a—it's a handlebar bag for like dirt bikes and such. I'm like, "Dude, that's awesome!" And we started talking. Turns out, we've got Harold from Giant Loop. Say hi to everybody. Hello, hello. So. If people haven't heard of Giant Loop, I have. So, and I'll tell you how I know about Giant Loop. When I did the Chickistan trip two years, a year and a half ago, a bunch of the women on the trip said, hey, does anyone want to go in on some of these bags? They're really awesome, it's called the Giant Loop. And I'm like, what? So I went to look it out. And I'll let you explain what it is, but a bunch of the women on the trip had these Giant Loop bags that they could take and put onto any bike and they put them onto our little CB150s, and they worked out great. So can you describe, first of all, what the Giant Loop Bag is?
9: Oh, that's great. So we started 10 years ago, and um, I, I think our primary contribution was that we pioneered this horseshoe-shaped saddlebag design, and so it's very universal and fit, and it keeps the weight of your gear very close to the bike and very stable on the bike, and uh, so that's where we started 10 years ago, and yeah, now we have a whole, Soft luggage line and yeah.
0: So you said it's like horseshoe and it goes basically like from the foot pegs, right? Or the passenger pegs? Yeah, passenger yeah. Pegs? Past
9: your peg mounts or the, the, the frame s- or subframe, depending on the bike you're on. And, and it's
0: like a like a tube. How wide is it?
9: Well, so uh, you know, it ends up being like. Uh, no wider than the rider's legs and the handlebars themselves and so you can fit through very narrow places without being hung up uh, on your luggage and things like that I would
0: say it's almost like if you sewed all the openings on a pair of pants
6: Yeah,
9: yeah.
0: and they go across the bike so as you said it stays very close and solid to the bike you don't have two individual bags you've just got one large bag and you can shove stuff down into it keep it closer to the bike it's not going to move and Very waterproof too.
9: Yeah, so that was our objective, was to try and uh, help motorcyclists lighten their gear loads. Um, and have luggage that that reduce like the, the weight of the luggage itself and reduce like the points of failure and things that might break out on the trail or under you know like hard travel situations like you're in in the Himalayas and stuff yeah
3: so, so did this come out of like necessity where you just you saw the market and you're like this doesn't work for me I need something very specific that works for me and hopefully it'll work for everybody else or how did that come about the design anyways as far as goes
9: yeah that's pretty much exactly it you know uh, I've been riding motorcycles Almost my whole life since I was a little kid, and nice. uh, when I moved back to Bend, Oregon, I, I got a, a street legal dirt bike because it seemed like the perfect bike to explore the area. And the pavement end, ended a mile from my house, and so I, I wanted to be able to carry my camping gear on my dirt bike and go explore around out in the yeah. desert. And I didn't want things that were going to fail. I didn't want them flopping around. I didn't want them forcing me to ride more slowly than I had to, and so, yeah, me and a friend started playing with with some uh, ideas and designs, and it all evolved out of our own riding, so, yeah.
0: So, can you um, describe to people what other products you make as well? Because one thing that's great about Giant Loop, and some of the stories you've been telling me about the riders that use it, this is gear that's for, like, the world travels. This is, like, the real shit. I'm not going to say that other bags are shit, but these are made for, like, people going around the world. And you have some of those riders that you're sponsoring that are here. So tell us about some of the other products that you have.
9: Yeah, well, you know, that is what what has brought me here tonight, was to meet up with some of our sponsored riders who have been literally traveling the world and living off their motorcycles for years uh, at a time. And so for us, the the Giant Loop is a... it's a tour that begins and ends in the same place, and, and sort of the ultimate giant loop is the round-the-world trip. And so, you know, it's always a nice. goal of ours, like early on, that we wanted to be building gear that was up to pretty much any task that you could possibly, you know, tackle on a motorcycle. And so that's uh, that was the objective from the beginning, and I think 10 years later, you know, we have people who have literally traveled every continent on the planet, and. Uh, we have a full line of saddle bags, tank bags, uh, panniers, dry bags, and, and so on. So the lines expanded a lot to accommodate different riders' needs and bike types and, and that sort of thing. But, the, you know, we've tr- stayed true to that original mission now.
0: And you can use this on a dirt bike. You can use it on a, an adventure bike. You can use it on any bike, street bike, anything.
9: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the universal fit is another one of our goals. And so even though we are very uh, dual sport and adventure focused, a lot of our products cross over into pretty much any bike type. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So where can people find out more about your products?
9: Um, so you can go to our website at giantloopmoto.com. And if you happen to be in Bend, Oregon, stop by and visit our retail showroom there. Nice.
0: Oh, you got a retail store. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Again, go check out giantloop.com. This is legit stuff.
3: Uh, one more thing. Uh, what new product do you have for everybody now?
9: Well, I, I'm super excited about these quick-release, lockable mounts that we have for soft luggage, and uh, we introduced them last year. That we couldn't keep up with production; they were selling faster than we could even make them. And so we we've made a few updates and and uh, improvements for the new season. Those are about to come out uh, here in a couple months. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah.
0: Awesome, well thank you very much. I hey, appreciate thank you, your Liz. time.
9: Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah. No, you. no problem. Good to see you here. Yeah. Fellow Santa Cruzan,
3: by the way, for Santa Cruzan, right. right? Go slugs! Go slugs.
9: Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome to Motorcycles and Mistos at the I one show. Uh, earlier. Uh-huh. During the week, a fella gave us an email regarding this thing that he was doing. What was it called again? Uh, the. What was it called?
11: Highway to Health Fundraiser Rally. Okay.
3: And who do we have with us?
11: My name is Dave Marliov.
3: All right. And so.
0: You don't have to lean down. Yeah. I will You get. guys have nicer you talk equipment with him. than I am used
11: you to. You
3: talk with right. him. Yeah. Well, the, she's going to swing it around like like her dick is in your face, but so, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Don't right worry about it. Yeah. So um, tell us about what you're doing, man.
11: So the Highway to Health project started uh, three years ago, Okay. and in essence, what I'm doing is I'm gathering per mile pledges, and then riding my GS from Corvallis to San Diego, or hopefully the Mexican border this year, nice. and uh, raising as much money as I possibly can for the National Brain Tumor Society.
3: Okay, right on. Uh, so why did you start this whole uh, thing?
11: You know, originally a good friend of mine named Angelo Deiso. He runs the Brew Public Beer Blog up okay. in uh, Portland. I met him when we first started our brewery, Flattail, in Corvallis, and he was a huge help for me, he was a huge help for a number of other small brewers in the state, just a really selfless guy kind of helping independent brands that don't have a lot of marketing power, etc. get out and get exposure in the Oregon brewing community, back in the early days of the kind of craft beer movement. Yeah. Um, and Angelo was diagnosed with a glioblastoma brain tumor, I believe it was about five years ago now. Uh, He's been fighting that battle for the whole five years, and yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, it's really affected his life, and it gave me kind of a a peek into what this disease does to people. So a few years ago, um, I found out about the Iron Butt Association and decided that, why the fuck not? Let's do an Iron Butt. Yeah. Um, Went down November 19th, 2016 on my first, like, test run just to see if I could do it. Yeah. Made it barely. It was a little sketchy with the snow over the pass and everything.
3: So you did it but up, like, uh,
11: pretty much the worst time you can do it, kind of.
3: Yeah, you know. That I mean, uh,
11: otherwise a thousand miles in a day is boring, right? Right. We got to spice it up a little bit with right. snow and then 90 degrees over <laughs> yeah. the LA Pass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking to someone at the bar, and they said, you know, you could you could like raise money by doing this because people would be into following a guy on a thousand mile ride for a charitable cause and that's when angelo popped back in my mind you know this guy that helped me out so much he had this cause that was so important and it just seemed like a great fit brew public hopped on as our media sponsor uh the guys over at the brewing network podcast and Concord agreed to do a bunch of publicity for us and pretty much the first year of the Highway to Health was just me sitting on the couch with a beer in my underwear, emailing people asking for money. Yeah. And you know, we we set what I, at the time I thought was a lofty goal of about five thousand dollars. We ended up raising eight grand the first year, uh, eleven thousand the second year, and uh, I'm shooting this year for fifteen thousand dollars. And my, my end goal is to turn this into one of the biggest uh, national Brain Tumor Society events in the state of Oregon. Nice,
3: nice. Um, so.
11: What else do we have?
3: I think that's a lot of questions I asked him. He kind of rattled off all the stuff that I asked him. Are you, you from? Any? You're from up here?
11: I was actually born in Vallejo. <laughs>
0: <Uh-oh>.
11: <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that wouldn't come up.
0: <laughs> is this your first time at the one show?
11: Yes, it is actually.
0: What do you think of it?
11: Oh, it's fantastic. Um, it, I like. I was talking with Nock earlier. Actually, he had mentioned how many flat track builds there were. I like it because there are a lot of non-classic cruiser and you know aluminum faired sport bikes. It's not just the stereotypical custom shit sitting on every corner. There's a lot of really unique uh, fun stuff. Is there
0: anything here that's really popped out that you really enjoy? Yeah,
11: that uh, parallel twin KR tracker, the red, white, <laughs> and blue one. God, that's a cool little bike. That one really caught me. I haven't gotten to the west side of the warehouse yet, but that's my favorite so far.
3: Nice. Uh, can we talk briefly about your brewery and how you got started brewing? Because I have a friend who's actually into motorcycles and brewing, so it seems like there's a weird common theme with motorcycles and drink, uh, drinking. They're like yeah, adrenaline like... and
11: bad decisions yeah. and hating money.
3: Yeah. How did you start uh, brewing?
11: <laughs> um, my mom actually got me into craft brewing. She used to brew with her dad and okay. always tell stories about like exploding beer bottles in the shed. <laughs> And um, it was just a cool glimpse into my parents' past that I really didn't have any experience with. You know, similar to my dad telling me stories about his Ducati days yeah. and all that, my mom would always talk about making beer. And so from a young age, they'd let me, you know, sample beer at the table, stuff like that. Got really into it. Uh, you know, I, my first ever beer was a Black Butte Porter, yeah. not a Budweiser or something like that. So got more into it into high school and then started professionally brewing at 19. I moved up to Corvallis from Southern Oregon as soon as my buddy told me that there was a fermentation science program. Yeah. Uh, Stole my mom's minivan, packed it full of shit, moved all my stuff back up there, drove back and then rode my bike up. I didn't have a car at that time, so it was kind of hard to move all of my belongings without stealing someone's minivan. So
3: you're
11: an adventurer through and through. Pretty much, yeah, Yeah. okay. And brewing and biking go together so well, because like I said, neither of them make you any money, both of them cost you tons of money, (laughs) but you get this adrenaline fix and the community, you know, the brewing community and the riding community are so similar. You know, it's not that there are no douchebags, but the douchebag factor is extremely low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, like I mentioned, we did that trip where we uh, rode the OBDR in Oregon while brewing beer on the back. Yeah. That was a really cool way to kind of bring my two passions together, something we want to do again. You know, maybe you guys can join. Liza yeah. can keep from crashing on that KLR of yours. Yeah,
3: so what is you do? Like, you, you do a run and you just brew beer on the
11: run? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, what we set out to do was a lot more complicated. We were supposed sure. to have kettles and actual grain and hops yeah. and cameras and everything. And then my two buddies on F800s, who were supposed to be the equipment mules, bailed the day of. Yeah. So we ended up chewing up oatmeal and spitting it into a silicon pot, yeah. and then boiling it with a, an MSR pocket rocket and fermenting it inside of a roto Pax strapped to the back of my G650X. That's
0: real biker shit. Man. Yeah, I was going like
3: to say, you, you crashed, the beer was safe, but you got yourself some nice
11: juice at the end of it. To make it better, the beer, after making it all the way through 450 miles off-road across the state of Oregon, strapped to the back of a motorcycle, over carbonated, on the back of my other bike on the way down to the radio show where it was supposed to be announced yeah and then exploded on their twelve thousand dollar mixing board
0: <laughs> nice. and, and just so people know do you usually masticate in the making of your beers
11: there's always a little bit of me and everything I <laughs> hey what's the name of your brewery so people uh, can go flat to tail make- brewing company in corvallis oh, no. oregon yeah you have a brewery in in corvallis yeah we've got a big full service pub nice all that there
0: awesome and for people who want to find out more about
11: if you're interested in donating or helping out with a charity please email me at highway to health fundraiser at gmail.com
0: perfect thank you so much absolutely thank you guys thank you
11: Uh,
7: no you're the good racing yeah the good racing's starting now how's it been so far jim it's been fast the track's fast there's a lot of fast guys out here uh especially in the hooligan event um yeah, very competitive. This,
2: this is raw racing. I mean, there's hot oil. You can smell race fuel. There, it's been, cold as there, fuck. There's
7: truck. been lit gas on the track just about every race. Wow.
2: Yeah.
1: Can you describe for our listeners what the track looks like here? It's dirt.
7: It's dirt. It's hard-packed dirt. Yeah, it's hard-packed clay in between concrete barriers. Yeah, so it's, yeah, so hard-packed clay. It's cold. Um, yeah, it's it fast and dangerous. Alright, we're
0: about to go here so let's go to the race. So uh, we had some fun and we ran off a couple of contests while we were here. I think it'll be fun to share. Uh, first it started, I think it started out as a prank on Mike but he appreciated it so much. We decided we are going to give away a t-shirt to anyone, <laughs> to the first person who came up to Mike and said, yo, don't look at me when I'm inside of you. <laughs> and. We we gave a shirt away, but then people kept coming up to Mike, All day long. <laughs> and he was such a sport. I think he enjoyed it.
7: Yeah, yeah, that it was, was fun. fun. It was a good giveaway. People got a kick out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a prize pack. Not only did you get the T-shirt, you got a couple of
0: stickers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so what we gave away a shirt, some socks.
0: Oh yeah, the oh, evil, right. can evil socks. socks. I the the can it can wasn't evil socks. Even a shirt. That's right. It and uh, and then we did it on day two with Emma. You had to go up to her and say, give it the beans, darling.
2: Give it the beans, darling. Yes, and I had people all yesterday come Beanie. up to me and say, oh, you are miss Emma. Give it the beans, darling. <laughs> and I wish I had a T-shirt for everybody.
0: Yeah. Mike, how did you like having everyone come up to you and give you your special
4: greeting? It was all right. It was still, like, a little awkward.
6: <laughs>
4: and, like, you know what it was? It's, it wasn't awkward in the way that I would enjoy it. Like, I love awkward. Awkward's, like, my thing. I just like to make people squeal. You know, squeal. And just squeamish. You know, you say some shit and people get all, like, fucking, like, offended. It's, it's the best thing ever, you know? You're
1: not so comfortable being the one who screams. squeamish at all. Is because
4: you, you could tell that people, like, they, they, they didn't own the saying. They didn't own it. They weren't all, like like uh sultry about it or like fucking gross you know um like you gotta, you
1: gotta work it, you yeah because i think
4: it. yeah because that's the thing is like when i say it yeah. I, I don't think people are expecting something like that to come out of my mouth and then it does so there's like the shock value of like being surprised it just happened and then looking at the person who just delivered it and they're just like th- wondering like what the fuck <laughs> is this serious but the people who came up they were just kind of like it was like they were reading off a business card or some shit like like, um, excuse me, Michael, don't look at me when I'm inside of you. <laughs> like, are you asking me or are you telling me? You know what I mean? Like, like, what, like, are you giving or are you taking? What, what's going on here?
3: You've got to say it in a declarative tone, not an interrogative tone. It's yeah. not a question. It's, a, you know, it's a, yeah, <laughs> it's assertive like of about it. Yeah, this is what's happening.
0: Here at the One Show, we're over by the Twisted Road booth, and I saw a display last night. It looked interesting. I was intrigued. I wanted to know more. And it said Biker Gear Club, and there's a lot of boxes. Now, I think for people who've heard of like Shave Club or a lot of these subscription services, there's a lot of cool services where you can get toys or stuff like that, or even Bark Box for your Dogs pets. For
12: your dog. You can get ones for, for uh, you know, high-end clothing. There's BirchBox. There's Stitch Fix. There's, like, so many subscription boxes.
0: So I didn't know there was one for motorcycles. So can you please introduce yourself?
12: I'm Bob Ward, and I'm the founder of Biker Gear Club. And uh, we came up with the idea to, uh, obviously, there were so many subscription boxes, but the motorcycle industry didn't have one. So I was like... There's got to be, you know, there's got to be a, something here. And and so we started doing, um, we started out with like a cruiser box, but then we, we expanded to doing uh, a monthly box for vintage riders, sport riders, uh, adventure riders, motocross riders. So whatever you ride, whatever style you're into, we custom curate a box of gear just for you and your bike.
0: Just to be clear, can you state all the different styles that you cover? Different styles.
12: There's vintage, there's sport, cruiser, and adventure. And then adventure, obviously, there's guys that ride motocross. So we, we have like a split with that. So if you're like doing adventure bikes, you know, the big BMW GSs or or like, you know, all the way to like, you know, KTM 250s and stuff like that. So it, we will, again, curate based on, mostly based on what you ride and like how you ride it. So on our website, if you check it out, uh, at bikergearclub.com, um, there are Customization options per box. So you start at the, you know, what category you're interested in. If you're a, if you ride a Harley, obviously you'd be more into the cruiser box, and so you can check that out. And then we we curate specifically for men or women riders. So um, you start there. And so if you're a woman, you, we obviously send you stuff that's geared towards that. And based on what type like what type of bike you ride. If you ride a Harley, we'll probably send you some Harley stuff. You know, depending. Um, on the month and the quarter.
0: So I know people have the same question as I do. So I want to get to it. What's in the box? <laughs>
12: What's in the we, box? We get that all the so, time. Yeah, so yeah. We're
0: looking at some uh, samples here. Mm-hmm. Can you explain um, what these boxes are and what kind of stuff would come in sure, one of the boxes? Sure.
12: Well, I mean, obviously we're we're in February right now, and it's a lot of us can't ride because it's like middle of winter. Um, or if you're really bold, like some of these folks are, they did ride to the show. Yeah. Um, but we curate different gear that, you know, is kind of seasonal specific. So like this box was our February box. So we sent, for example, this was a combo box. So it came with a combination of lifestyle. So we got a Deus beanie. Um, we've got a really nice Gerber uh, pocket knife. You know, really, nice. yeah. One of the handiest tools you could really ever have on you. Plus it's really sleek and light. Um, we're never probably gonna send you something huge that is bulky that you can't fit on you or your motorcycle. Um, and then we've got, we team up with partners from all over the world. These guys, Gold Top England, they have, this was like an introduction to their brand, so they sent us a sticker pack with coupons. These codes. are
0: really nice high-end graphic stickers.
12: Yeah, yeah, we, we, we focus on premium stuff, so it's like not, we're not gonna send you like chintzy stuff. I mean, it's, it's gonna be good quality. Shine box they're one of our partners and they offer really high-end cleaning Cleaning products for your bike. Um, This is a really nice carnauba wax um, For this one was like designed for vintage riders. So this box is a vintage monthly box and It contains between three to six sometimes like seven items um, Depending on on what it is and what uh, what time of year it is this one came with a greasy culture magazine Um, Also, these guys are based out of the UK and then uh, we've got one of Noah's chocolate sea salt chocolate bars. So this is something special for you know Valentine's Day. We like to include like you know certain holidays. Halloween we sent out Deathwish coffee, which was like you know pretty badass biker style coffee. But Primo, um, a Rolling Sands shirt. Oh, cool. This one came with. Yep, RSD is one of our partners. Uh, and then yeah, the Greasy Culture wall calendar to to count down the days till warm riding season starts again, you know, and these are these are actually hard to come by nowadays cuz everybody's so digital. So, everybody's a lot of our members favorite product was the calendar for this this box.
0: So, this is it's a part function and part lifestyle. This is yeah. the vintage box I'm assuming.
12: One, the vintage combo box. So, the combination of yeah, lifestyle and maintenance and tools.
0: Now, I'm looking at one of these boxes which is going to be off-road box. And I really like these. There's some orange KTM uh, like dirt biking gloves. Yep. we've got yeah we've got some goggles and we've got some nice uh, grips a waffle pattern yep. nice grips. I uh, like this. We've got a spanner wrench. this is a metric combo wrench for axles I'm guessing axle yeah. nuts.
12: And that's bike specific so this, this member obviously had a specific bike model in year and we actually curate to that too so to that degree.
0: The right size for our axles. Exactly. This is great.
12: Yeah, it's it's tricky.
0: Uh, a Fox hat, nice. And uh, you got some more chocolate and a koozie. And is there something special in here? Oh,
12: this is, this was a lot of our partners. They'll send a uh, you know like a postcard or stickers t- or coupons that are exclusive to just our members. So cool. Um, so yeah, it helps helps us promote them and get, get our members, you know, introduce them to a new brand that they might not have heard of otherwise, and then they can check out their website um, and hopefully, you know, help support the brands that we support.
3: So that's cool you have actually exclusive brands that you can't really get anywhere else uh, anywhere else, without, you know,
6: yeah.
12: subscribing. And, and some of our, our partner brands will actually create exclusive items just for Biker Gear Club members. So, and we did just launch a vault, which is brand new. We're calling it The Vault. Um, which includes, you know, some extra items um, that, you know, if we get we get things in bulk, obviously to pass on 30 to 50 percent savings to our members, and we'll end up with some extra things, and those go into the vault. And if you're a member, you get an additional discount on the items in the vault. So, and that's just like our online store, essentially.
0: All right, the next burning question: <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> How much does it cost?
12: Ah, well. It's only $59 for the monthly box, plus shipping and handling, um, which we, we share in the cost with our customers. So it's like a flat rate. Um, and then for our quarterly box, which ships out every three months, which is a little bigger and you get about seven to 12 items. Um, that one, which is a, there's an example box right there, would would run you $169 per every three months. So yeah
0: cool and how long have you been doing this
12: um we've been out about a year and a half now um so yeah we're pretty new but everybody in the moto industry is loving it and we're helping bring brands together with people that wouldn't hear about them otherwise it's hard there's so many brands to discover on your own yeah so um so yeah we're we're putting those two two things together so
0: uh would you be able to share some of the partners you're working on for maybe some future boxes
12: Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, one of our latest partners is Noah's Chocolate. Like I said, we, we, don't, we haven't sent any, like, edible things, really, other than the coffee back in our, our Halloween box last year. Um, so that's something new we're working on with Noah, and he's awesome. He's a, he's a biker. He makes chocolate bars that are super primo delicious. I don't know if you've had one here. but He's walking around the show and passing out chocolates and coupons and stuff. Um, so definitely try one. But he's one of our latest partners, um, Deus. JSX Machina, based out of Venice Beach, actually we're from Los Angeles, so they were one of our partners we're working with. Um, as you see here, Fox Moto. We've got, over here on the table behind you, um, one of our latest lifestyle partners is Trip Machine, and they're based out of India, so they're, um, they're a company that focuses on high-end leather products for vintage style riders or uh, cruisers, really unique, um, unique products that you wouldn't be able to really see Otherwise, um, yeah. So, so those are just a, a few. But we're, I mean, we've got over fifty different partners that we're working with right now, and it just keeps growing and growing. So, it's
3: like a mixtape.
12: Back in the day, we used
3: to make mixtapes for we your friends, but this is uh, with, with you know motorcycle stuff. Yes,
12: right? exactly, exactly.
0: And if you say one more time, how do people find out more?
12: Uh, easy. Just go to bikergearclub.com, and uh, there's it's a pretty straightforward website uh it'll say subscription boxes right there and pick your pick your box by checking out if you want standard or sport or vintage or adventure and then uh go through the survey and and it's as simple as that can you have all of them can i see i'm gonna just every box yeah there's no limit so yeah that's that's a good actually good thing you brought up because some of our members ride a motocross bike and then they also have a sport bike and you know some right now it's kind of based on people contacting us and, and we'll send them a split between uh, you know sport and motocross and that's something we're bringing out this summer actually so that you can sign up if you want to get a split combo based on two different bikes you have or some people have 12 different bikes so that's great yeah. well thank
0: you very much for your time. I'm glad that we uh, discovered you here.
12: Yeah, thank you for stopping by. Yeah, no problem. All right. Cool. It was a good time too. Did you guys get Thanks. Talking? Yeah, I was just talking about
3: Noah. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So what's the story? I heard you ride motorcycles and uh, make chocolates. Yep. So I love riding motorcycles, and um, I teamed up with the Biker Gear Club just to spread happiness and what better way to do through chocolate. What was your name again? My name is Noah. How do we find you on the Internet, online, or whatever? His
8: name is online. <laughs> I know.
3: This is for record, for, for crying out loud. So uh, you can find me on rawchocolateman.com. Nice. Follow this guy
13: this
12: Instagram because he's got a great feed. He's super genuine. His posts are super Thank awesome. You. So. Thank you. I
3: like me a good chocolate, man. Yeah, we can still be friends if you don't like it. <laughs>
12: <laughs> All right. All right. So thanks thank a lot. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Right now.
0: It's a good opportunity for us to thank some of the people there. We had a lot of friends. Um, I think first thanks goes out to our friend Austin at Twisted Road.
2: Indeed. Uh, right, you're Austin has been a consistent ally to uh, Motorcycles and Misfits for as long as I can remember. Um, he always lets us dump our stuff at his booth but you know it's more than that. I mean Austin is a really cool guy. Twisted Road is really cool company. Um, I'd really like to do a partnership with him down the road and see if we can do something with Misfits and Twisted Road beyond what we're already doing.
0: Yeah, yeah so thanks to Austin at Twisted Road. Uh, yeah, he puts up with us, and a lot of times we just hang out there. Even
7: yeah. though
2: we scare off his customers.
7: <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> totally. I think you start with, uh, you know, Tor and Tori. Thanks again for another awesome show. Absolutely. You know, it, it just, you know it's well, only the third year I've been, and <clears throat> it gets better every year, and they keep coming up with new stuff, which I think is hard to do. So, uh, you know, Tor and Tori, and, and they're like, they have that, that cadre of, of people that, that they know that help them. And, you know, it's going to be like a bunch of us running a show. I wish we could pull it off as well as they do. So shout-out to CeCe. Yeah,
0: yeah that was uh, a common thread talking to a lot of people <clears throat> at the event so well run even some of the builders are saying that just their load in went well the other vendors saying they had everything they needed that makes a difference a well-run event you know
7: one thing i like and we were interviewing uh, tim at the end there today and they seem like they're just like there's no um you know facade there of like we're too cool for school
2: yeah there's no pretension they're like hey though.
7: cool you want to bring your bike in we think that's great come on in so they seem like it's very accessible to normal people. You know, it doesn't matter who you mm-hmm. are. If you're going to put time in, build a bike, and you want to show yep. it, they'll be like, cool, we're down.
3: Hold on a second. So you don't get invited to these things? you just, sh- like, ask, and they'll let you well, in? Or it, what's the story? It's
7: about? a little more nuanced with that. So the guy we were talking to <clears throat> was going was gonna to be out this way and just reached out to him and said, hey, I'm going to be out this way. I'm not a builder, but I built this bike. Could I put it in? Yeah. Sure.
2: I, I think they were quite interested in the bike, and they wanted to see the bike yeah. and discuss yeah. the details just to see if it was something that they would be interested in but you know i mean there's a place for everything we go to the quail and the quail is a very legitimate show for extremely high-end original and restored bikes we've seen custom bikes of the peterson and again they're customized to an extremely high standard and a high dollar amount this the the whole show is a mix from real high-end stuff to entry-level bills And that's what makes it so great. It's got something for everyone.
0: And I think uh, our other big thanks is going to go out to the listeners. One, for making this possible. We use Patreon money to pay for the visit here. But two, we met a lot of listeners there. And uh, let's see. Does anyone remember any of the names?
3: This is like the romper room. I see Steven. I see Dave. (laughs) I see Mike
2: see Kinney. Uh, <laughs> Garth of There's course. Julia. I see Julia. Hi. Yeah. Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. And you know it, 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 we met so many. If we didn't mention you. Days, oh
0: didn't? yeah and uh, Colin. Yeah Colin of course. Did we say Dave? Yeah we said Dave. Yeah there was a whole bunch. We had so much fun meeting everybody. That was really cool. So a big thanks to our listeners.
3: So the only real bummer about meeting those guys is that not we weren't able to actually sit down and have a beer and chat and spend more time with you guys. I mean, it's cool being able to say hi really quickly, but it's like, I like sitting down, and hanging out, and talking, with, learning people.
7: But I will say to the gentleman, and I'm sorry we forgot your name, who flew from Hong, Hong Kong, Kong by way of India hmm. to come and check us out and say hi. That was awesome. You were definitely one of the highlights of our weekend. So thanks for saying hi and hopefully you hear this.
1: And if anybody wants to come down and, and spend more time with us and hang out, yeah. come on down to Santa Cruz like on a to Sunday. we beer could uh,
3: you for you to drink and hang out and talk shit with and we'll buy more. Yeah. You got black.
7: You got shiny. Yep. And that's it. You're going with two colors basically, right? Basically. You got black and shiny. Right?
13: Yeah. Well, the the only other thing that's that pops a little bit is the brass. Oh yeah, I didn't so see you that got, you've got, you got a little bit of brass here and there,
7: and right. that's it. No, that's but
13: cool. you're right, I mean, typically there is the, the
7: thing of threes, um, but I, for some reason I just wanted to keep it muted. <laughs> All right, we're back here at the One Moto Show. It's Sunday morning. We're wiping the sweep, sweep, sleep out of my eyes.
2: <laughs> no, I had a little hair of the dog.
7: I'm back in the game, am oh, I? Yeah. Uh,
2: Okay, I thought you could to
7: him since earlier. Uh, we ha- we're here this morning with Tim with Munsterman Builds out of Chicago, Illinois. Illinois? Illinois. <laughs> anyway, we're here with Tim at The One, and we're checking out his bike, so Tim, thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we just got finished checking out his bike, and Emma, in broad strokes, how would
2: you describe what okay. his build is? Um, Tim really sold himself short with this, he said it was a soft build. Tim's riding a 75 CB750, it's a great platform to start with. Um, I'd say it's a cafe race build. Oh, def- definitely cafe, yeah, yeah. So, Tim, describe what you've done to your bike. You can go into the most minute detail if you want. Sure. So
13: so when I uh, when I got the 750, it was kind of in shambles, like everybody else gets right. a bike, right? So, complete teardown. Uh, first time I've ever done a complete teardown on a bike. So complete teardown, engine out. Uh, the only thing I didn't do is like, Go crazy with the frame and powder coat it and make it nice. I was building something to ride, so uh, this is my first show ever, uh, first show t- t- that I've been to, let alone shown a bike out, right? So, uh, so this is kind of a very unique experience, and I'm being interviewed, which is wild. <laughs> so this is all just blowing me away right now. So, um, so yeah, I bought this in shambles, uh, and I wanted to give it that aggressive, uh, classic '60s style. Right, cafe you've look. achieved that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's so a lot of, a lot of internet hunting for pictures and seeing what i liked and what i what i didn't like and what i wanted to stay away from and then and then kind of pushing the boundaries like i've i've built some hot rods in the past and stuff like that so i'm a i'm a i'm a welder is not the right so my welding skills lie in my ability to grind
6: <laughs> right so, well, that so that's that. there's,
13: that's what i am in terms of welder but you know it's like some of the stuff i wanted to do like that tank right exactly. so that that tank is a really stretched out tank it's really aggressive it's really um, uh, uniform, right? It's very uh, uh, has s- symmetry to it on both sides. So I like that look of a really symmetrical tank. So it doesn't slope down a lot or anything. It's just and it's big and beefy. It's right? a big tank. It's yeah. a big and, uh, beefy that tank. That is quite a big tank. Yeah. Well, you're, you're running what five gallons in that uh, six? I think it's I, I think it's five and a half. It's, yeah. It's I mean it's got a huge tunnel. So it just it's you know it's it, it, it it's a great city bike. It, you know I can ride it for about 45 minutes and I need to get right. off. <laughs> so. But, uh, but yeah, so that, that tank is from the guy at, uh, I can't remember his name, but it's Legendary Motorcycles. And he said it, yeah,
2: it was yeah. out of Texas. Yep. But what you've done, like a lot of builders, you've drawn in parts from here, from mm-hmm. here, from here. But you've achieved a very cohesive build.
13: Thanks. Uh, Well, you know, I had the image in my head of what I wanted, especially once I saw his tank online. Right. Because hand-makes those, and I I was like, fuck, that's it. That's what I want. I want that, and everything I do on this bike is going to highlight this tank. So I kind of muted everything else. We were talking about the, the rule of three on yeah, colors. We talked about the rule of threes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and my bike really has two colors, right? Uh, aside from some of the brass fittings. Yeah, very slight little brass yeah. bits
7: that really kind of set it off nicely.
13: But I wanted the tank to really kind of be the thing that dominated the bike. And, you know, literally and figuratively, right? So, and then uh, I played baseball for like, 20 years, until I was 30, and so I have this attachment to leather things, you know, because of the, you know, all the years playing baseball, and so that's why I'm into kind of putting leather tank badges on, so that'll probably be my thing on every
7: build I do. Well, the tank badge was cool, and and we've seen this before, where you put the year of the bike, guys, on on the tank badge, and it's in this raised leather, which is really beautiful. We'll put some pictures up on Instagram so you can see the bike. But Tim, tell us, you know, how long you've been riding, when did you get into motorcycles, and what kind of
13: compelled you to do a, a custom build? Well, that's a good question. So I grew up on a farm, so I grew up on dirt bikes. So I grew up okay. riding, braking, and having to fix dirt bikes, right? That's right <laughs> so yeah.
7: You know, a farm, um, if you break it, you fix that's
13: it. My yeah. That's, that's kind of how your dad teaches you, right? So if you want to ride it, you got to fix it. Yeah. Um, so I uh, grew up around a lot of that. I was in the Army for four years working on a Huey, so I was an aircraft mechanic for four years. So I've got this wrench-turning you know, uh, thing. Yeah.
2: You know the kind of addiction. Jim, I've just seen your future. I've just a gas turbine bike. Okay. Because I, mean, I mean, how big is a Huey engine? It's it's quite large.
13: Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think uh, we'd be able to straddle that. <laughs> and 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 uh, yeah, you'd, you'd probably lose your hearing with it too. For, but okay. For very Full good. disclosure: Emma flew Sea Stallions.
14: Oh really? Yeah oh, Sweet. Yeah.
13: Maybe we should be interviewing her, though. No no, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no.
7: It's about you, darling. Oh shit! So you grew up on the farm. Where was yeah. the farm?
13: Uh, it's down by St. Louis, so in Illinois. So Missouri, Illinois, okay. Okay. Illinois, but down by St. Louis. Gotcha. So grew up Cardinal fans. Wow. So dirt bikes, yeah. cars. Dirt bikes, cars. Um, I and I and I did a lot of, uh, or not a lot. I I, I, I tinkered with uh, like the VW scene for a while. Uh, built a bay window bus. You know. You hippie. But, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so well, I am a child of the '70s. So, um, but. Uh, but so I've got this need to build and create, and, uh, and then uh, I was married for fifteen years and didn't really do any thing on bikes when I was married for fifteen years. And then no, once right. I got divorced, like three years ago, I got back into bikes. I was like, oh, there man. it is. I
0: needed to common, common story.
13: Uh, t- I just
2: needed to build something. You know? It starts with I was married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, much,
13: much better
7: now, thank you. <laughs>
2: but what makes this such a great story, and we we're going to be revisiting this many many times. Yeah, yeah. You've got a great looking bike. I was listening to the comments as people were walking past and it's a very, very well received bike. It's your first time here. It's your first real major build. It's something that anybody with a vision can achieve. So my question to you, you buy this ratted out scruffy CB 750. When did you, in your mind, see it finished? uh because i know it was finished in your head long before it was finished on the bench and you knew what it was going to look like yeah so i tore it all down not knowing what i was going to do right right
13: tearing it down you don't have to know what you're doing to build it right you're just tearing it all apart and i think once i saw that legendary motorcycle tank it clicked everything just in you my brain, built
2: it around the yeah, tank. Yeah,
13: totally. I mean, that's the thing that I was looking for. Like, what's going to set this bike apart, and what's going to make it pop, and and what's going to make it look mean and aggressive and sexy and all those things, right? And that tank is the thing that, and it just popped in my head. And I, you know, I, I'm not an artist, so I can't draw things out and, and then and then stick to the drawing. I, you know, I just had it in my head and I just kept grinding away on it, literally and figuratively. So
7: how did you end up at the one where you, you know, you saw this a few years ago, you started building months in advance, and then you were gonna trailer oh, your-
2: This is the first time he's ever <laughs> yeah. been to a show. So yeah, how he's... did you
7: end up here?
13: Uh, so I got really good friends in Portland. Uh, John and Emily, and and so I've been here like five or six times just to visit them, usually in this time of of year, February, so somebody had mentioned the One Moto Show, and I I knew it existed, it's not like I didn't, everybody knows all the shows, right? I just didn't know when it was, so I looked it up, and I noticed it was going to be in the same time frame I was going to be here visiting my friends, so again, I, I was building a bike to ride, not necessarily to show. So, um, but I thought, well, what the fuck, you know, I, I'm gonna go ahead and submit it. Uh, Tor accepted it, and I was I was like, so, cause I work out of uh, Federal Moto uh, in Chicago, so Mike Mueller owns Federal Moto. Okay. Um, and so I work out of that shop uh, as a shopmate in there, and uh, so I have access to like all the fabrication equipment, so it's kind of simple in that way. Um, although, I, you know, honestly, I didn't really use much of that, I just needed a welder <laughs> from time to time. Um, but, uh, but so, so that was, I mean, it was all just Planned around my friends being here, and then I noticed the one moto was here. It was a 10-year anniversary, so I was like, "Well, I got, I got to see you, you know." And I had no expectation that I would get accepted because I've never been to a show, so I had no idea what they're looking for. And this is a great fucking show, man. All the bikes here, it's, it's like there are some really excellent builder bikes here. But there are also some really excellent normal bikes like mine here so it's uh and that's what i love about this show you you have everything here you've got these custom bikes that are just amazing beautiful bikes and then you have other bikes that are beautiful in their way too like mine that's that's just like resonates and and you made some friends uh getting your bike out here too right oh yeah Uh, jay from jay shia from uh, madhouse motors yeah so
7: jay from madhouse we were chatting with her yesterday right how cool was that
13: so you're in the club i don't know about that but they're they're awesome people though i was hanging out with them last night we went to the flat track races with the madhouse crew so um so yeah so they were on their way here and i just happened to shoot them a message through instagram and i was like hey you you guys bringing a bike to Budmoto? and if you are, how are you getting it here? Because I went from being really excited about getting accepted into the show, and then, and then like, five minutes later, it's like this, whole oh, fuck, moment. I'm going to get my bike out there. I have no idea how to do this. Careful you know what, what you I wish mean? for. Yeah, right? So, but Jay Jay's super, super cool, uh, super smart, too. Uh, but she, uh, she just kind of came up with a plan and told me when it would be picked up and how much and all that. You know, so I, I did very little <laughs> to get the bike out here. And then uh, Carrie and Paige, uh, two of her friends, are the ones that, that drove it out here. So uh, uh, shout-out to them for for that long, long drive. Big shout-out to Madhouse. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I have a question for you. What on your bike build was the biggest challenge for you? Uh,
13: uh, Electrical. I mean, it probably is for everybody, right? right? I mean, wiring, if you've never done it, is a bitch. Uh, But honestly, once you you get past, like, the first couple of things you're wiring up, it all starts to make sense. So I know wiring intimidates a lot of people. Don't let it, because, you know, once you... Once you, like, wire up your your turn indicators, you know, then, then everything else kind of makes sense, right. you know what I mean? Like, everything about the bike the makes sense. The two
2: things that we, we find in the garage that people constantly struggle with, wiring and carburetors. Yeah, well, yeah. And once you get beyond those two, yep. It's, you're really only limited by your imagination. True,
13: and, and and I'll be honest, I'm I'm a glutton for punishment. So uh, you know, I love cars, I love dealing, right. I love tuning. i you got to love these bikes to to have them because you're constantly oh, having absolutely. to having to tinker with them. So right,
7: so so after this resounding success at the tenth anniversary one Moto Show. What does uh, what does Munsterman Moto's have planned for the future?
13: Uh, so I, after being at the flat tracks, I kind of want to build a flat track bike. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't want to ride it because those guys are amazing, but okay. but I would love to build one. So. Do you have a, uh, a platform in mind to no, start? Not
2: yet. I just I just had that thought last night. So. Well, you um, know you've got something going on here. You've got CB 450. You mentioned. Yep, yeah, my seventy-two. Seventy-two. You've got the seventy-five CB 750. Yep. Yeah maybe go out the go completely off left field build like a 79 cb 900 flat tracker right right. that big twin cam big, engine big, big. Yeah, yeah yeah big 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 yeah yeah I, I, dude i tell you what i loved the sound of those bikes last night
13: that was like it was, it like, was awesome yeah, as a bike guy you're like in heaven when you hear that that noise and the smell yeah, oh yeah yeah that too right. hey, but it, well, was, it was a good time
7: well I tell you what hey tim Thank thanks so much for joining us we appreciate you taking the time out of the day Love the bike, loved the whole story. It was great. So good luck with everything yeah, in the future. Thanks,
2: man. Thanks, thanks. This is a Motorcycles of Misfits exclusive. We have a builder right here who's just starting off. We expect great things from you, Tim. Uh-oh. We're going to be checking in through. <laughs> we're going to be checking in with you over the years and following your progress with yep. interest. Just
13: follow uh, Moto Months on Instagram. and It'll all be there. There you go. Emma so, might even send you some nudies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky.
7: <laughs>
6: Thank you.
14: Right. Thank you. All right, what are we doing here?
7: We were here with Dangerous Dan, the man, flat tracker extraordinaire. So in a re- I know we talked to you yesterday morning, so tell us what happened
14: between yesterday morning and yesterday at midnight. Oh hey, man, well part. I didn't, I left, I didn't come to my booth yesterday, uh-huh. and I'm really disappointed this morning that nobody stole anything. <laughs> I He's was like, lifted. I guess nobody wants it. I mean, it was sitting out here just abandoned. <laughs> nobody wants a hat and nothing to smoke their dope out of. Oh, you can smoke dope out of those. I'll take a hat. But uh, we, uh, yeah, dude. So we went to the track, right? First thing in the morning, we showed up late. Okay. I fucking so my gas started leaking out of my carburetor. The petcock and carb didn't work, so it filled up my motor with gas. What? So get some oil, and I didn't have anything to put the oil in, so I got some granolas, and I dumped the granolas in the bag that I bought the oil, and filled that bag up with oil at the track, put some fresh oil in that motherfucker, uh-huh. and then, uh, dude, we raced around in circles,
7: left yeah. turns all day. So this was at uh, the Salem Fairgrounds, I think Salem Speedway, for the one moto, uh, the hooligan flat track, you name it. They were running all sorts of shit last night. So you got to the track, and what were uh, you raced more than one of them? So what events did you race
14: yesterday? I raced the Hooligan Amateur, right? Now yeah, you, know, you, you have some extensive experience in this kind of racing, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I do it all the time. Like, I mean, I probably have about three thousand laps under my belt. No, no, oh, your first sleek? time on the sports. Show. I did it a lot of last year on the chopper. <laughs> on the, you know, chopper. the chopper. It's a little different riding ape hangers with forward controls and going around in circles, but that's fun too. All right. But that's the reason I got this Sportster. I just got it put together, and uh, I thought before I give it away, I would just rag the fuck out of it and race it all year long. So th- that was like the first race of the year. I walked away with third place on a technicality, and I'll take it? <laughs> I'll fucking take it? So this is the first time you've
7: ever really raced legit flat track. And you're out there, it's the first race of the season for the series, and you got a lot of fast guys, you got the pros out there. I mean, you were racing with some fast dudes. Oh yeah, they were really fast, way faster than me. So what was going through your mind, you're, you know, in the, the, the race before you finishing up, you guys are getting ready to get on the track, and you roll out to the starting grid. What were you thinking? I
14: hope nobody runs over my fucking leg. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's really it. Like, yeah. what the fuck, because I'm like, you know, you're sticking your leg out there. There's fucking people coming in. So the heat races, there was like five or six of us. We start off on the same line. That was that was good. And I didn't know that. So there's a guy up there, and all the, the light comes on. It goes green. There's no like countdown on the light. So the first couple races, everybody takes off, and I'm like, surely there's another fucking light, you know? <laughs> Sitting hey, at the line by started. myself. So I learned after that that that's how that works. So, so when go. the final came around, I'm in the second row. You know, like I'm in the back. They're like, you fucking suck, you're slow, you got to start in the back. But I knew the light situation that time. <laughs> he figured it out. So I was catching that front row right in the first turn. I was trying not to hit their back tires. And I, I mean, there was a couple wrecks, so I got up closer, and there's was just one kid in front of me. And we were taking totally different lines. He was coming in tight. I was outside swinging in. And we were just like damn near connecting every time. And I couldn't get him. He was, uh, his line was probably, was obviously it was better than mine because I couldn't get around him. Yeah. But you were fast enough, so you made it through the heats. Yeah, everybody made it through the heats in <laughs> my class. You're supposed to I mean, say you that. Can supposed to say you can that, sugarcoat it all you want. But I think I took, it was either fourth or fifth overall. But. Not everybody went and signed up at the Indian booth and got a number plate, but I did. So I got—I was the third number plate to go through. And I'll take it. <laughs> Perfect. I'll take it. Yeah. right But the on. real highlight of the night—I mean, that's all fucking kids' games. The real race was the mini bike race. Yes, it was. Now, I'll—I'll I'll just say before I want you—I want to hear about it, but I think this was probably the
7: most exciting race of the night, it if was. not the running of the bulls. But yeah, this was awesome. So, yeah. So, so
14: what, this class was what? Cool Start Minis, right? In, in the heat races, there was me, a fucking dude with like, it looked like he was fixing to go down a Moto GT course. I mean, he had fucking pads all up and down, big old bike, big old tires. And then there was a kid, he was about a quarter of my size, <laughs> but he had the same motor and wheel setup. So it was pretty even, except for all the weight i had. What were you riding? I was riding a Coleman with a motor squished in it from Harbor Freight,
6: Yeah, and
14: it's so squished in it, Before the main, I probably should have put gas in it, but you gotta pull the whole motor to put gas in it. So, later on as the day goes through, like, okay, so we do the heat races, right? Me and those three people. Fucking kid is like way out in front of me. Like I can't catch him, he's just so light. And then when they do the final, like all these fucking drunk scallywag hooligans show up on modified pull start bikes. (laughs) And I was like, who the fuck are these guys, you know? So we got to race again and uh, you know, so me and those other two guys are up front and then there's all these other dudes. There's like three rows of fucking minibikes, oh, there's right? A yeah, there's a ton. There was a lot. What I got a styrofoam foam cowboy
7: hat. Yeah, that was my fucking favorite. fucking
14: dressed up. But so the, the final race comes and I'm like shaking my bike to see if there's any fuel left because I didn't think we were racing again. Oh shit. And I was like, no, I don't even have time to pull my fucking motor and fill it up with fuel. So I get my ear down there and I'm shaking it and I'm like, I hear just a little bit and I'm like, it doesn't take a lot, that thing. So I line up and I try and take first, first turn. I'm like, fuck everybody. I'm like, I dive in and just eat shit. Dude, the video, (laughs) it looks like somebody just stopped my bike and I flew over the fucking handlebars and watched the whole group go by me. Yeah. Right in front of us, by the way. You yeah. were right there.
7: That's when we realized it was you. We're like, who ate shit in turn two, three? We're like, let's stand." Yeah. <laughs> fucking
14: down, dude, in the back of the pack. And we, we, we thought it was over. I slalom raced all the way to second place. Now, no. first place was right behind me. He almost lapped me. Right. But I just went around all these fucking drunk hooligans on their crazy fucking mini bikes. It was awesome. So, like, I want to back up. So, you crashed.
7: You get the thing up. Everybody's passed you. And we were talking like, what, 15, 20, I don't know how many people were out there. And were you like, when you got back on, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to pin it and we're going to win this thing? That's how I ride all the time.
6: <laughs> you what did... kind of
7: fucking question is that? Because you did ride that way. Well, all of a sudden, we're like, <laughs> hey, it's Stan, he fucking crashed out. Then we're like, wait a minute, he passed a guy. He passed another guy. Next thing you know, we're all, woo! And you fucking marched right through the pack.
14: And you finished second? Yeah. Fucking crazy, Fuck dude. yeah, I did that yeah, little well, kid though man i'm telling you he was yeah. on my tail first place was like fixing the lap me yeah well his, he weighs about as much as one he of lapped boots. everybody except for me that's how you roll
0: best race of the night it was
14: awesome Fuck, it was awesome, awesome. It's,
0: how, how did it feel crashing how how much did that hurt
14: how, crashing
0: yeah that looks like some hard ground
14: no, it wasn't bad.
0: Because you landed on your head. I just
14: slid and then, I don't yeah. even, I mean, it yeah. looks worse yeah. than what it was. You landed on your head, too. you know, so you got the adrenaline going, line up next to a bunch of fucking dudes dressed in costumes yeah. on minibikes, The fucking adrenaline's high, I'm telling you. Oh, it's we've done it. Steep. <laughs> done it. Yeah, See, so you know. have done it. You don't feel pain in a yeah. moment like that. No. Awesome. Well,
7: I, don't, I don't know, you don't seem to like you enjoyed it too much. You think you're going to do this again?
14: Never. No. I'm, I'm probably just going to leave both bikes here. Right. No, you're know, on way to Milwaukee, aren't you? I, well, not yet, but I will be leaving tomorrow morning to go to Milwaukee and do it all over again. I think he may never go home again. He may just tour hooligan racing the, the circuit year-round. Dude. Well, congratulations. That's not very hooligan. That's not very hooligan. That's, yeah, that's one true. thing we got to talk about right now. now. Okay. This is a racing. This is like hooligan is like taking on a whole new meeting. Like these are fucking, this is a races. These weren't street bikes out there. They fucking don't have lights or tail lights. They got fucking number plates. It's serious. Yeah, this isn't the hooligan I mean, I did up. have to pull my headlights, So when I get there, they give me the number plate. And I'm like, fuck, I got a headlight. So I got some snips and started cutting out the light bucket of my headlight so I could pull the plugs out without having to like rewire everything. Uh-huh. Just curious, what was the purse
0: on the pull start uh, race? Oh,
14: I don't know. That little fucking kid got it all.
7: I oh, think no. I actually I think the purse was $142. Oh, 114, I think. $114. Yeah, that's what it was. It's a
14: weird
6: fucking number, wasn't
0: it? Was they took donations from the from the crowd. Yeah.
7: Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. yeah. No. 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 I tell you what though, thanks for the entertainment. You made the flat track racing fucking a great night. So we we appreciated your
14: crash. I was and your really, th- I was really hoping that you were gonna fucking pull a naked gym move and just streak across <laughs> oh! that whole fucking track, <laughs> man. Next time. And it would have been perfect, right, during that mini bike race. I could everybody would have stopped riding to look at you and I could maybe could have got the first. You'd have oh. freaked that kid <laughs> well, out, you'd have wrecked his fucking bike. And then get arrested. And Come beat on, up. next time I need some little team I'm participation, alright?
7: All right. Let's talk about it. Alright. All right. Have your people call my people.
14: Alright, thanks
0: a lot, Dan. You're
12: welcome. I get to give away so much stuff this weekend, it's crazy. Uh, alright, I found the good luck award. I got a little there. So the good luck award presented by Stumptown. Uh, and that goes to uh, number forty seven, Tony Thong, or Tony Tom I would say. super age. <laughs> Tony Dong. That's the RoTax uh Framer flat track bike up there, super clean, lots of great details and uh, yeah! flat track bikes. So Tony Thong if you're oh, here for right. um well, to. Yeah. Great job, Tony.
1: Tell me, uh, tell me your name. My name is Brandon Saylor, Scooter Swap Shop. Cool. And uh, we're here at the uh, One Show in Portland. And you have brought a couple of scooters here to the show. Uh, tell, tell us about uh, about these bikes.
15: Okay. Well, alright. So the first one is a uh, 2013 Yamaha Zuma 125. Um, had it for, well, I bought the bike totally stocked. Planned on keeping it stock. And uh, I can't do that. So went um, ahead, pulled the motor out, and did a uh, twin-cylinder two-stroke. Piaggio-based uh, 140cc stage 6 motor. So, And now this this started out as a 50cc Piaggio single cylinder. Yes, correct. So, so
1: how the hell do you turn a single cylinder 50cc into a two-cylinder
15: 140? So uh, there's a company called Cateno Miano, and they're in Italy, and they make the center billet section um, and the cranks and everything. So you basically split the case, install the center section, and uh, two cylinders, two cranks, two pipes, uh, special ignition. So it's Pretty simple, really. When you take it all apart, it's just hard to tune. It's hard to tune. I've melted, literally melted, a couple clutches, turned them to (laughs) liquid, and they wear belts fast. But uh, it's a ton of fun. It comes on really, really hard. Wow. Yeah.
1: So tell tell me more about this. uh, So this billet section that, that basically fits in between the two crank halves to create two halves of cylinders that fill in that
15: that space in between so there's a center billet block that basically mirrors the opposing sides right so the center mirror block the center block mirrors the opposing sides um and then the cranks are there's a center billet it's hard to explain the center billet round section with two bearings on the inside Uh so your your two your your center (laughs) this is hard to explain uh, the the center section splits in two, yep. and then the round part that that carries the bearings is in the center. There's an O-ring seal to keep the center separate. Right. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So
1: then, so you there's one crankshaft or two crankshafts? There's shafts right? two
15: crankshafts, and they're uh, essentially timed and fitted together. And you can actually you could you can. Put them together like Lego pieces. You could actually make a quad. You can make a triple. It just what? depends on how much money you want to spend. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm still trying to wrap my, my yeah. brain around this concept. So how do these two crankshafts uh,
15: mesh together to produce one power unit? There's a billet. There's they're 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 tied together internally. Okay. They're pressed and they're tied together internally.
1: I see. So it's basically taking two crankshafts apart and pressing them together into Essentially,
15: one. Essentially, yes. Ah. Yeah. With the billet center section and that billet center section. Um, has bearings inside of it, so it's been, it's a little hard. To, yeah, it's yeah. hard, um, but but I do. We have a lot of YouTube videos too that kind of show how, how they work and how they're explained and whatnot. Okay, but, um, they're great parts. Everything's. You know it's kind of artisan stuff it's italian made and, and it's yeah. it's it's really cool you don't really see that's the only one here for sure in the yeah. united states so yeah that's genius yeah, i've amazing. never seen anything yeah, like pretty, that it's pretty it's pretty neat it works really well so wow yep and they sell the parts to to uh press the crank together as well well they sell their they they sell their own cranks in the center section uh, and everything they kind so of sell that one. already assembled yeah okay yeah so it's kind of their in their it's kind of their house brand cranks and everything too. So wow. But everything's uh, made in Italy, and, and so you can just say, "Hey, I want this, I want that," and they'll kind of just make it all for you. So. Wow, that's yeah, wild. Yeah. Yep. And and this bike is very low to the ground. Yes, it um. is. You saw the smash, the dents on the pipes. Yeah, yeah it gets used. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I also saw the yep. melted rear tire from doing some burnouts yep. too.
15: I mean, this this bike isn't really set up for drag racing necessarily. I, I this just kind of have something wild and crazy on the street. So driving. In downtown areas, downtown LA, with the two-stroke and the smell and the sound of that thing—it turns a lot of heads. So that's why yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> cool. And um, so that's one bike you have. Yep. Um, and
1: oh, what's the what's the top speed
15: on that bike? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, the, the last person I raced in Tennessee, um, we let off. And I think he said we're doing right around 90. I and mean, it wasn't anywhere near maxed out. That was like eight mile. I'm guessing the way it sits right now is probably 110, something like that. Wow, but it just all depends on how you gear it because it it, yeah. it makes good power. So yeah, and that's that's
1: 110 out of a 140 cc yeah. two stroke.
15: Yeah, And so the, the first time I built it, um, the cylinders weren't ported at all. Now it's on pump fuel, so it's just build oh, up a wow. pump fuel and go. So now they're they're ported and whatnot. So I should be making you know, another 10 horse or something like that. So cool. Um, yeah. That's, faster than I want to go, to be honest. I like the short eighth mile, point A to point B thing. It's it's a little freaky. At yeah. Doing 90 plus on something like that. So. Yeah. But that's wild. It's pretty cool. Thank
1: and you. and and the two the two expansion chamber pipes that are coming out of the yep. back are are very very crazy cool looking. Yeah. Sticking way up out of the back. Uh, kind of kind of a, a nod to the Japanese uh, yep. uh, wild
15: custom scene. Well, and they're tuned That way too. they, they the longer oh. they are, it changes where you're. Because I had short silencers on, and I put those on, and picked up about a thousand RPM. Wow! So, and that's those are all made by Conteno K- Miano. They'll they'll mock up the whole entire thing, and then send, wow. and then send it all out. So it's all handmade. Pretty cool stuff. Wow, that's yep. wild. Yep.
1: Cool. So then you have another
15: Zuma in the show too. Uh, that purple Zuma is actually. Um, Purple Zuma is built by a good friend of mine, Ash Ashby H R H Fabrication, oh, so Okay. That is that's that's not our build. Oh, um, I but that a couple, you. No, that's not our build, but it's a beautiful bike. Sean um, oh, yeah, Curry's cool. the owner, and uh, Ash is a local uh, artist here that does amazing, amazing work. So. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a gorgeous bike yep. too. Very also very low in sleep. It's neat. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. really neat. But you do have a Vespa P200 uh, in the show yeah. too. Yep, and that's uh, Chris. Chris built that bike. Cool. Yeah. Yep. So you're Chris, right? I'm Chris, yes. Awesome. And you work for the Scooter Swap shop yes, as well? Yeah. Awesome. So tell me about the,
12: uh, the bike. Uh, it's a 1980 P200. Uh, it's been uh, bored to like a 221 Molson Kid, different crank. Nice. Basically, everything you can do inside of it is internally changed the size of the cases. Yep.
3: So
1: that's how you got a lightened flywheel on there too. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You got flywheel, carb, Reed intake. Kind of everything really, you really need to do to make it Sweet.
2: Reliably, reliably fast.
1: Yeah. It looks like a 30 mil carb on there.
3: Uh, 35. 35. Yeah. Oh wow. That'll suck some
1: gas down. Yeah, it does. <laughs> nice. And that's uh, saw you've got the uh, the Kermika disc on the front. Yep. 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 And uh, you also have a, uh, a a tube bar down the, uh, yeah, front yeah, of the seat right. in The front in the middle. Yep. Yeah. Just for some extra stability. Yeah. And uh, and how, how how long did
3: you did uh, it take you to build the bike? it's been a project over i've had the bike for many years but it's been sold it sat outside for 10 years went and actually bought it from her back so oh wow. build it again yeah but this this round i'd say it's been two years yep. kind of project
1: messing around with it uh-huh but cool and uh and how fast have you gotten it up to so far uh about a little over 100 holy crap <laughs> yeah that is that is that's that's impressive it's scary. Yeah, sure. no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I've I've got a P200 that I've kitted out, and it's it, it's gotten up to about 75 or so, and that's that's about as far as I wanted to push it. Yeah. So I can imagine 100 is is uh, is white knuckling it.
3: Yeah, for sure. You're kind of just, just closing your eyes and going. Yeah, and tucking real low. Yeah. <laughs> Very
1: cool. Well, I'm I'm really stoked to see a, a P200 at the show here. Yeah, school season, Boulder bikes here. Yeah. Boulder skiers. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that out. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, so you guys have a, a shop here in Portland, right? Yep. Yes. And and how long have you been in business?
15: So I started doing the uh, online sales. Um, I was an electrician for thirteen years full time, huh. and then uh, started doing online sales because there weren't, really weren't any businesses here, or weren't any good online stores. So that just kind of grew and kind of grew and grew, and then uh, so technically about five years, but um, did the online thing for. Uh, about two and a half years, and then we decided, one, actually, Carter, uh, uh, the shop manager, his customer, customer of mine, and he came in and said, hey, we should start a shop. So we started a shop, and so this will be our third summer in the shop here in Southeast Portland, so it's pretty cool. Anything from you know, stock Vespa work, you know, rebuild, service maintenance, tire changes to, we did a turbo Honda Metropolitan. Wow. Um, we've done a lot of track bikes, some really cool track bike stuff, some vintage uh, motorcycle stuff, a lot of trails and CTs. And, um, cool. So, smaller CC are a specialty. Ha- we love Hondas and Yamahas. I mean, we've been, just cool, we love quality bikes. Yeah. So, they just keep giving. So. Nice. And yeah. you're into both vintage and modern? Yep. Yeah. And, and you, it
1: seems like you focus a lot on custom work. Is that right?
15: Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, they're uh, they're the best word of mouth. Yeah. So if we take care of our customers and it, it doesn't and, and if we can't do it for you, we'll send you somewhere that can, but there's rarely things that we can't or do. So we have one guy that's you know really likes doing the you know service maintenance and tire changes and that stuff and I like doing more of the performance, uh, custom work and whatnot. So we kinda have guys to do everything there. So yeah. excellent. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, and how did how did you get in scooters in the first place? Yeah. My buddy, Seth, um, he's a hillbilly, and, and he'll be okay with me saying that, uh, <laughs> lives in, up in Tacoma, and his neighbors were giving away a Chinese scooter that had no panels, that had no exhaust on it. I mean, this thing was a, just a piece of junk, and he said, I'll take it, and he took it, he brought it over to my house, he started it up, and the neighbors were having a wedding, and this thing had no expansion chamber on it. Was spraying oil everywhere <laughs> and gas, and I, and I said, but I rode it, and it was fun, and so... Um, then we started buying just cheap Chinese ones off Craigslist, and we were doubling them up, jumping them over tabletops, and breaking them. Then we'd sell them again, and then um, I got a <laughs> Honda spree. I got a Honda spree from a guy named Hot Rod uh-huh. at a garage sale, and and uh, and then it just kind of went and just kind of. They're just fun. It was nothing. I had sport bikes and turbo cars and all kinds of stuff, but scooters just give you. This makes you feel like a kid again. You laugh. You know, we ride wheelies on them. And, curves and just it's just fun. Yeah, I mean it's just something fun that friends can do. It's cheap and uh, it's just kind of stuck. Nothing sticks stuck. Nothing sticks with me, but this yeah. did. So
1: yeah. yeah, and it's interesting. I think that that you started out with you know, the cheap Chinese junk scooters yep. that you know were just like. People were just getting ready to throw them away, basically. And you just started having fun with them. And you progressed then to to higher quality bikes. Because I guess you've learned some lessons along the way. And started really appreciating what good quality manufacturing is, uh, the difference that it it brings.
15: Well, ultimately, somebody comes in with a bike and they have, you know, Chinese or or something. And they they have high expectations. And you can't give them what they want because we're dealing with a product that, you know, can't deliver that result. So... Right. Obviously, you know, if somebody wants it, as long as if they're okay with, you know, the customer's are okay with knowing that it's not going to be high quality, that's one thing. But, yeah. you know, when people come in and, or, you know, we get people coming in and asking, hey, is this bike okay? Should I get this and get that? And we politely try to guide them in the right direction because it's going to pay off in the long run for them. Right. So
1: yeah, yeah like what? What do you mean I can't ride my, my hundred dollar Chinese scooter to work? You know, twenty miles every day for you know the next ten
15: years. Well, <laughs> yeah, and you get old Han and Yamaha. And we've all done it where you find one in the shed or whatever for fifty bucks, and you literally clean the carburetor, put a plug in it, and put fresh fuel in it, start it, and they'll run forever. Yep. So they, they just you can't beat them. Yeah. So very cool. Yeah.
1: Excellent. And uh, what's the, uh, the website for your, your business?
15: So our website's scooterswapshop.com, and then we also have a second website called Scooter Part Shop. Uh-huh. So we do have two sites. Um, Scooter Part Shop is more for OEM, and uh, Maxi Scoots and Bigger CC Stuff. But Scooter Swap Shop is more catered towards uh, high-performance stuff. So, uh-huh. Excellent. Yeah. Yep.
1: Very cool. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, talk with us. Sure thing. And I uh, hope to see you around again at
15: another One Show. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Cool. Appreciate it. All right. Take care.
0: All right, I think it's time to talk about some of the highlights of the weekend. For me, one of the highlights, well, obviously, all the new people we meet, all the old friends we see, a lot of guests that have been our shows. Uh, Dave from Russ Brown. Um, Lauren was Lauren. there. Lauren Trantham from Ride My Road. <clears throat> obviously, Austin.
6: Yeah.
0: Um, inked Iron. Yeah, Inked Iron. Uh, there's been a lot of really cool... just friends running old friends and meeting new friends but i have to say the one of the highlights for me was the flat track races on saturday night
2: you see i don't really do the cold very well and i (laughs) thought i was gonna hate the flat track the reality is out of the entire weekend the highlight for me was the flat track and it goes beyond that because everyone knows my history i mean my heart is with british bikes and always will be. And particularly Triumphs and BSAs. And the last race of the night, first bike across the line was a Triumph. It really didn't get any better than that for me. And it's just the crackle of those pipes and the sparks coming off that guy's hot shoe. I mean, that's racing to me. And just the sound of that bike too was amazing.
1: When he would open it up on the straight, it was just like I,
0: I also enjoyed the children the kids you'd get like one or two there's like
3: fast as fuck fast as and then you fun. get these others oh, they're the just kids, just
0: on little like PW50s you mean the kids
3: that are racing not the ones whose ears are blitting in the stand you know <laughs> like a uh, borderline child neglect there
7: <laughs> one, one thing I'll say and I enjoy about I think I think it's racing in general um, flat track for sure is it's such a family experience but we're sitting in the stands trying to stay warm and here come these little kids selling raffle tickets because I think they were trying to fund someone to go racing or something. But it's great. But they're trying to do the math on the tickets and collect the money. I mean, it took us about 15 minutes to buy, I think, 15 tickets. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I love the family atmosphere at these things.
0: Um, but you also had, like, the Roland Sands Hooligan. Uh, oh, I think my other favorite was the Running of the Bulls, the yeah, Bull Tacos. That was great. I, you know,
7: it's funny. You go to these, these, these events, and the Super Hooligan class is exciting to watch. Um, it may not look fast, but boy, is it dangerous. Yeah. But the highlights that, that kind of came out of the blue for me one you alluded to earlier, the running of the bulls, so these are all vintage bull tacos racing. I think that was some of the fastest, mm-hmm. smoothest racing we saw. The other thing I love, because you can look at all the new hooligan bikes or whatever, because they're, now they're new bikes, they're not old bikes. But I think the vintage class um, is probably my favorite racing to watch, because you get a great variety of bikes, mm-hmm. and these bikes have been around for a while, and they're I won't say heavily modified, but, you know, they've been, people have made them their own. I mean, but, let's
2: be honest with you. I mean, if, you're, if you've got a 40-year-old race bike that's still out earning its keep on the track, that's an achievement. I mean, um, it's, it's, it's great to see them. You've got the 250 class up to 250. You've got the up to 450 class. And then there were just so many boltacos. they oh. did those in a separate category. But two-stroke flat track mm-hmm. racing, oh my god.
3: Yeah. You know, interestingly enough, I thought the fastest ones were the uh, motocross uh, flat track prep bikes. Um, those guys were apexing like like halfway in the straights. And so by the time they got into the corner, they were already pointing towards their exit. and. Uh, I think that was the fastest race that night. Was the 450, uh, 450 open, pro. open pro, yeah. And those were some yeah. fast, fast dudes. That was yeah, those bikes yeah.
7: never stand up; I they're leaned over the, the full entire full time. Way,
0: yeah. that, that may have been the fastest, but not. It wasn't the best race. Not by not by a long shot. I know side. where yeah. you're going with this, <laughs> ride, so.
3: yeah, yeah, like I mean, like, they're, they're, like the 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 four hundred and fifty open class. Definitely, there was one guy who was just dominating, and that was kind of boring to watch. But like I, I do like it when it, there's a little more rubbing and is racing, you know, uh, the closer closer, you know, first place finishes type stuff. Well, we definitely
7: saw some some racing, and I think all yeah. of our the highlight event of the evening, Liza. How would you describe it? I know you're you thinking what I'm thinking.
0: <laughs> Bikes that had no reason being there, and riders <laughs> oh, that had no reason being on yeah. them. Makes the best race.
7: And it was <laughs> the pull start category. Yeah. Oh my God, I think <laughs> there were like hilarious. 17 riders. But it was a hefty purse. I think they were riding for 114 bucks.
6: Yeah, <laughs>
3: yep.
7: So, wow. oh my God, but it was hilarious. So it, it's like a run with, run, run with brunga pull start bikes.
3: Like yeah, racing for weed money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know the, the class that, that surprised me though was the uh, the 85cc amateur class. Those bikes were surprisingly fast. I was really impressed. They, yeah, those- they,
3: yeah, those yeah. kids were hauling on them yeah yeah, they were, they were
0: quick that was very cool no the races are good and um, yeah we get a report coming up later about the best race of all but just another great event that they're putting on here at the one show
7: alright so back at the one moto show
5: Ooh, another interview yeah, very it's very exciting
7: and we're here with uh, Kevin from Velamaki. Not not no, Machachino right.
5: <laughs> very yeah, no, I'm Very sure most nice. of our listeners have heard about Velimaki. Molto bene.
7: Uh, yeah. Well, maybe Kevin, I'll let you, dis- you describe the company in broad terms. Um,
5: yeah, so Bellamacchi, we're, we're, uh, we're essentially a startup. We're, we're doing premium uh, high-speed adventure travel gear. And our first collection was a Speedway collection uh, based on motorcycle uh, cafe, camp, and commute. So we, yeah, our, our focus is uh, like I said, we launched about two years ago. So we're it's kind of it's actually a good time to come into the industry. There's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of change happening, both with uh, um, you know new customers, uh, the newer generation that's coming up and riding, and uh, how to talk to them and and how to how to build you know relevant um, product and gear that specific marketplace. So I
7: gotta say, here talking with Kevin, and it looks like he has some sort of jet pack on. Now for full disclosure, I gotta say, I do have a Velamachi tool roll. and Velomachi. That's what I said. <laughs> and I love it, and I use it all the time. So for full disclosure, but I'm also in the market for a commuter backpack at the moment and I think that's what Kevin's got. So walk us through the backpack and some of the interesting details you got going on here.
5: Thanks. Yeah, so this is, I'm um, wearing the 40 liter right now. We have both our 28 and our 40 liter have our, uh, our active um, harness system. It has a magnetic coupler. It's kind of the main feature at the front so you can actually pull it together. I don't know if you can pick that up, but um, it's really nice with a uh, full face helmet and gloves. You just get it anywhere close and the two pieces lock directly together.
7: So I have to describe this. All Kevin's doing is there's a round kind of button in the middle like uh, like Iron Man. It's
0: like, like a dial, like an old yeah, radio like dial. dial.
2: And it
7: click. And he puts, just puts it next to each other and it automatically clicks and locks together. So gloves or cold hands or whatever. <laughs>
5: Yeah, and then one of the other key features we have, you know, we, we, we became very rider-specific. You know, there's there's a lot of bicycle bags out there, you know, that people kind of adapt for motorcycle riding. But what works at 25 miles per hour doesn't always work at 125. So we, we took a, a much more... Uh, focused approach in the design side to to really deal with the the speed issue Uh, so you'll notice that there's no trailing flaps anywhere on any of our adjusters everything is cam buckled back um, so there's absolutely no trailing flaps to distort or disrupt you. That
0: was kind of the bane of my existence on my cross country trip because I had so many bags and tank bags and bags and I was constantly having to tuck straps in and tie them off and they would come undone so that i totally understand the reason for that so
2: i, I have a question kevin i'm sure you've explored the top speed that your backpack is good for yeah. what's the fastest unofficially you've been wearing that
5: i've had i think i've had the 40 liter up to probably a buck ten Somewhere in there, and it's still myself. Holding on fine. Oh yeah, yeah no. In fact, we also engineer our fabrics. You'll notice they're uh, uh, they're uh, they're they're relatively stiff. In fact, they're they're actually quite a bit stiffer than our competition. It
7: it feels almost like an oiled cotton kind of a thing, or an oiled canvas.
5: Yeah, so it's yeah. We, so we started with a uh, one thousand denier nylon Cordura uh, twisted fiber, so this, it's super strong. This is
0: more like a army um, tarp.
2: It, yeah. It's, it's right. got that kind of army tarp feel about yeah, it. Yeah, that, the that, that density. It, but it, it's a very, very high-tech looking material. It's not black. It's really a charcoal gray. It's got a paler thread running through it. Very
5: appealing looking yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's it's called a melange, uh, a, uh, a melange, melange. a trois. Yeah, melange oui. a trois. fabric. So you do the uh, on the backside. We also have a. Uh, uh, um, TPU laminate, okay. which, which is a solid piece of, of uh, coating that um, there are no holes there are no leaks it's different than a coating it's a laminate so it's actually bonded to the back side of the fabric and then the front side we actually have two layers of what's called a kiss coating and that's what makes it super abrasion and water resistant. And I was going to say now we yeah. say is it waterproof or water resistant? Waterproof. Yeah. It is waterproof. Yeah. Not, it's not fully submersible uh, but uh, in any kind of a driving rain uh, you will have it. Uh, it'll stay. So it'll if stay I put my dry. if I put my knickers
2: in that and ride through a rainstorm at hundred miles an hour, I'm going to have dry knickers to put on afterwards.
5: You will have dry knickers exactly. Well, there's, wow! There's some
7: interesting features, right? <laughs> well, that'll now be
5: sh- a first for me.
7: He's showing the. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's got the. As long as
5: they're dry when you put them in. <laughs> they'll be dry when they, when you pull them out. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> So all of our bags are lined with this uh, with this nylon lining that's uh, also seam taped. So it's 100% waterproof. The the exterior fabrics are also waterproof, but because we stitch them uh, for strength, uh, they, they those those seams don't have the same level of water protection that the interior lining does. so We do it actually double layer. Another
2: thing I've just I, I find very impressive about this product, and I've just found out. You've got quite a bit of weight in this right now, yeah. And you've been wearing this probably all morning, and oh you're yeah. not doubled yeah. up in pain.
5: Yeah. So how much weight are you, are you carrying right now? Uh, right now, it's probably in the vicinity of 25, 30 pounds. Uh, it's just got computer and gear and some of our camera gear and stuff. So uh, one of the reasons that we we get a we get a ton of comments from folks that say they actually forget wearing that they're wearing a bag. One of the main reasons we addressed the harness system was is with like a traditional two-strap system, you end up um, pinning your shoulders back to get it tightened up on your thing. So it actually pulls your shoulders apart and pins them straight. And it's very difficult to move your upper body when you're trying to get off the bike to steer it aggressively. Whereas our system has a cross-body harness and it puts more of the weight in the center and it pulls it completely off your shoulders.
0: I think Jim wants to model it. I do,
7: I'll model it. Well, I'll say is because um, I can compare this because I commute to
5: work. And I like oh, I gotta try
7: this out. Oh, that's the bomb.
5: You have it. You have it on the, the, the articulation points at the top. We call them flabicle hinges, and they actually adjust depending on whether you're wearing a T-shirt or full race leathers. So the actual harness itself will it will subtly adjust. It also works really well with both men and women. You now all of us have different body shapes and types, and they, not only that, but they also change throughout the day. Depending on what type of riding, where you're going, riding all your gears, In the winter, you're going to bulk up more, so your body mass changes. Our harness system is the only one that actually adjusts to fit your your whatever whatever you're wearing or whatever your gear is right now.
7: A couple of things I notice out the gate is every time when I'm going to work or I'm at work and I got to go to a site, I get my backpack, I loosen the straps, I throw it on, I find, I look for the straps, I pull them tight. And then I okay, I'm ready to go. This one I put it over my shoulders. It automatically clicks. I'm good to go. I'm not messing with straps at all. It feels really comfortable across my shoulders, and I really like that this the the chest strap where it connects across your chest is really thick. It's not just a small little little right. thing. And what Kevin said was totally true. When I put on my, the other backpack, which is made by a motorcycle company, um, it totally pulls your shoulders back and away. This one really feels light
5: can not feel hardly any pull across the shoulders so it allows you to actually move your upper body and get off the bike to steer it and
7: and, and for my job I'm I'm on and off the bike a lot I go visit sites I'm always taking things on and off and to take this off you just undo the knob and pow it's off no loosening straps
0: I wanted to talk about some of the features on here so you've got a uh, like a first-aid cross and a little pouch what is that for
6: yeah so
5: that's um that's that's any key information like a medical card or okay. a lot of other people will also put uh um credit cards in there or also if you like if you're going over um say in the bay area you have bridge tolls you have automatic bluetooth uh, um, oh the pa-
0: fast pass
5: with fast passes things like that you can drop right in there and it reads it right through the right through the pace and then the other feature that we have here that's very unique to us is we actually have a um, uh, polyethylene plate that's embedded into the harness system that acts as a uh, GoPro mount. So right. you put the same sticky mount that you would put on your helmet drops right on your chest mount so now you have a really hard anchored uh, point and that, that position is really key because where it's located, it nicely frames your handlebars and your gauges at the bottom of the, of the field of view, and then it leaves everything else open. By, by anchoring that handlebars in your field of view with a GoPro, uh, it it it, it, it kind of anchors the overall viewpoint. You don't yeah. get kind of that nauseous feeling you sometimes get with when GoPros are just set up in the air and there's no uh, there's no anchor point. Yeah. And it, visually. Well, and
7: the other thing I notice is I've mounted GoPros different places on my helmet. You always get the wind resistance because they're not light and it's yeah. hanging off the side of your helmet. After a while, you notice it, yeah. or the top yeah. or the bottom. So that's a great idea. Yeah. I love it.
2: This is obviously an extremely well designed. It's a well made product. Kevin, let's get down to brass tacks. What's
5: that gonna cost me? Uh, the 40 liter is 299, uh, 28 liter is 269, and then our 50 liter, which is a hybrid travel duffel, is at 279.
2: The I've r- gotta say that it's actually not as expensive as I thought it was gonna be. Not it's a the technology. very, you've got the technology, it's clearly extremely well made. Now,
7: also, Kevin. I mean, this is a cool product, but we're kind of scratching the surface. You guys have your fingers in a lot of pots, right. as far as the say, this
2: is one product of
5: many you do. Right, right. So, what else do you guys have at to show? Well, at the show now, we uh, you know we recently launched uh, the the forty liter and the fifty liter hybrid travel duffel, and then we've got a whole range of accessories as well. So, we focused in on the commuter, and uh, you know one of the big problems is. You, all you can buy typically for your um, computer case these days is a neoprene sleeve and that does nothing for impact or any kind of heavy duty abuse for your computer. It just pretty much protects scratches on the internal. So we built out a um, a pretty heavy duty impact resistant uh, uh, computer sleeve system, both tablets and computers. We have about three sizes of those. We have an internal organization system with uh, storage pods. handle photography gear, computer gear, podcasting gear, everything organized perfectly. And then they also fit perfectly within the bag. So they just slide in and out all the way through. And our system is based around that we have independent uh, storage solutions. Not all this stuff is stitched in. And that's because our bags are expensive. You want to be able to commute with them during the week. But then on the weekends, if you're heading out for a big weekend ride or something like that, you just pull all your computer gear out and now you have full 40 liters of storage for whatever. You get to reconfigure the interior of the pack for whatever your adventure is. Gotcha. Yeah. And you guys are making gloves? Yes. Yeah, we have uh, gloves. We, we, we took, uh, it took us about two years to actually develop the fit patterns on those. Um, we're, they're made out of very high-end materials. The, the palms, we're the only ones that are doing three different skins within our gloves. The palms are deer skin to be able to give you the best to be able to give you the best um, uh, most flexible uh, tactile feel on the controls right I, I
0: hate stiff gloves where you're fighting against the glove
5: yeah and so so you have a lot of feel a lot of control on your gloves and then or on the palms of your hands and then the backs are actually a uh, the backs are actually a highland goat, which is a very stable uh, hide. It, it's not as stretchy. And it's nice to have both the, the stable on the back, it gives you better abrasion resistance. But um, but it also stabilizes the gloves. Sometimes if you get all deerskin gloves, the whole thing is made out of deerskin, there's almost too much stretch, too much flex. Uh, deerskin also tends to absorb water more so than the highland goat on the back. So. Um, overall, it, your gloves don't get as soggy and kind of droopy over time. And I'm going to be the money woman again. Um, gloves range entry level to the highest range glove you do. Yeah, r- right now we, we've got we've got one glove, two different sizes or two different colors. Uh, full full huge range of sizes from extra small to double XL. Right. Uh, they're at $149.
2: Not out of the,
5: It's definitely higher end. Yeah. But I'm thinking you're getting what you pay for oh completely yeah no we're we're positioned really high-end quality we're uh, you know over the years there's been a lot of um, uh, you know the motorcycling in, in, industry in general because there's a lot of distributors and there's a lot of middlemen within the distribution chain uh, there's there's been a lot of to be honest with you there's been a lot of quality uh, driven out of the products um, to meet those margin structures and uh, we're direct-to-consumer. Uh, we, we don't deal with distributors so we tend to put that product or that money back into the product by building using higher-end materials and building in way more feature sets than what you'd see in, in normal you know, just run-of-the-mill stuff.
2: You're absolutely right. One of the first things you said to us when we interviewed you is, is the industry is changing and I couldn't agree more. As somebody who's been involved in the industry really for 40 years and seen how much it's changed. A lot of the traditional dealers are groaning now you know that it's shrinking. The industry is shrinking, we're losing our customer base and that is true but the reality is it's changing. And it's changing very, very quickly. Right. And I think what you're doing, the boutique stuff, the high end stuff, the future's actually a lot
5: brighter for people like yourself than for the major distributors. Yeah. Well we we certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah, I I I haven't, you know. It's been challenging to get accurate numbers on the industry. Um, the stuff I've seen, obviously from the dealer's point of view, it feels like it's shrinking. But what's happening is it's changing, it as, is as you changing. pointed out. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's there's a lot of, you know, if you look at used bike sales, they're actually going through the roof. Absolutely. And you know, some of that is because. Uh, um, you know, from a technological standpoint, if you look at your phone and how much change you've done over the last five years just in other areas of technology, and then you compare that to the motorcycle industry and how much change has actually taken place over the last 10 years, I mean, you, you can buy a bike now used that's not too far off the same quality, the same performance that you're getting out of a brand new one. So Absolutely. There's been a little bit of a lag on, on that. So uh, Vellamaki, how do we find you guys?
7: Like if I want to go get online and buy some stuff or check you guys out, what's the best way to find you?
5: Uh, but first thing to do is just go to Vellamaki.com And nice that's speller. our, that's, oh, V-E-L-O-M-A-C-C-H-I. So there's two C's. Will I end up with a cup of coffee when I do that? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, the, the word, actually, I, I was the uh, design director for the North Face uh, and I lived in Italy for several years. That's where I got involved in their writing culture and design culture. And that had a big influence when I developed the brand there because of the Italian riding culture and their focus on quality right. and, uh, and beauty and sustainability. And so, I, I
2: was enjoying a couple of your stickers because you yeah. have a slogan on one of your stickers that really is Misfit approved. <laughs> and um, so the sticker says, in bold print at the top, velomacchi, And in
5: slightly smaller print underneath it says, What's that? oh the uh, fastest fuck one. Nice, misfit approved. What does velomaki mean? Velo is uh, it's two Italian words called velocita macchina, so it's literally velocity machine, and, right. and that's an Italian slang word for um, all sorts of different types of race cars as well as race bikes, motorcycles. So our 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 whole our whole DNA is based around high speed machines. We like it. All we, right. We like high speed machines that are fast as fuck. Fast as fuck.
7: Thanks, Kevin. Really yep. appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. That was a great you. interview. Thank you, Product. guys. Yeah,
5: that was fun.
0: So, not to uh, outdo ourselves, but we finished this show with quite a big uh, happening, I guess. Yeah, a couple of Moscow mules <laughs> <laughs> for that. So, uh, no, I think we have another big thank
2: you to give out.
0: You wanna, Emma, describe where we were?
2: So, um, Portland is quite a surprising hotbed of motorcycle culture. And one of the big names in Portland is Icon, the clothing and helmet manufacturer. And you always wonder, you know, you see these names, Icon, and you look at the product and you think, well, It's probably going to be a giant factory in China or something, and it's just going to be a tiny little office here and everything's farmed out. Not so. So we went to the design, development and marketing center. And garage. And garage of Icon, where they design all the new products and test them, um, do marketing videos, build bikes built amazing bikes right there on the premises and um, the big thank you goes out to uh, to Amanda
7: yeah big shout out Amanda so is
2: awesome and wild and just...
7: <laughs> yeah there, there's so much to talk yeah Amanda's awesome that's a whole nother podcast unto itself just her dancing alone <laughs> is worthy of comment but you know there was it was such an interesting conversation because I think a lot of us have a uh, concept mm-hmm. of what icon is and what they represent in the industry and after spending a little bit of time at the HQ with Amanda, boy, were we kind of mistaken. You know, you know, you, you worry about, oh, they make women's clothes and it's all pink. I don't know. They said there was a number of years they made no pink clothing. You know, you think about being kind of squiddy and image conscious. Well, you know what their big thing is? Safety. You know, so this is, a. I think it's a great example of a company that you have a perception of, but then when you kind of get to see the inner workings, not only are they, do they do all their stuff in-house, which is really impressive, right. safety is their number one concern and that's how they develop their stuff, you know, regardless of style. And I think one of the coolest things is they don't give a fuck if you like their style or not. They're gonna design and build what they think is safe and cool and they're gonna throw it out there. And if it's any, you know, metric whatsoever, I don't know if I should say, but you know, they have that new, uh, the new helmet that came out, just the face shield the load on that helmet, they've sold tens of thousands of units. So, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, the more I learn about Icon, the, the more I like it.
0: The, the dark, you can buy a dark visor. It comes with a clear. They have to provide a clear, but people want to get the dark visor. Yeah. And they sold forty thousand of those. It's been a big, big hit.
7: Yeah, so like I said, the, the, more, I, the more I learn about the company and the people that run it, because you're talking about a handful of people that do everything, and it was such a collaborative experience that's extremely inclusive. Um, and I mean, you know, very inclusive when I say inclusive. And... Uh, and they do it all right there. And like I said, the intent is good. They want to build good stuff that keeps people safe, that's fun to wear, and is functional.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed. We got to go into the R and D department, where they had designs and, and photos and drawings.
3: Secret
2: stuff.
0: Yeah, we got some Secret, no,
3: careful, secret yeah. squirrel stuff that uh, nobody will ever ever see and never will ever get. It's it's awesome. I saw <laughs> you hiding nuts back there, Holmes. <laughs>
0: well, you know. I <laughs> know. Exactly. And. Should we share the big, the big, the big thing they uh, let us do?
2: Well, I think so. Um, as you know, a big part of what we do is the recycle garage. I mean, the recycle garage and motorcycles and misfits go together like peanut butter and jelly. And a big part of the recycle garage is getting you kitted out with good stuff and so we're restocking some of our stuff.
0: Yeah, so we have the, the free gear room where people donate gear and we've got a lot of cool stuff but some of it are, you know, boots with a broken buckle a old, yeah. or uh, gloves with uh, one finger taped up or helmets that are, have aged out but are still functional, right? Well, we're glad to say that, uh, thanks to Amanda, we're going to be stocking our room with brand new Icon gear. That is like salesman sample stuff, but brand new. Helmets, boots, gloves, jackets. We're going to have a lot of great gear to give out to people for free compliments of Icon. And it was a real eye-opener for me because I, too, said I thought this was gear for squids, but we found motocross, adventure stuff, street stuff cruiser stuff a lot of great gear a lot really well made and I actually really enjoyed all the design uh, options which is really kind of bold
7: yeah and and it was interesting when you when you go in there you see the amount of effort that's put into design I mean you can tell this is clothing and, and stuff that's made by riders for
3: riders so what was cool about going to their design house was um you saw the entire process. At the end of the line, you saw a 3D printed mock-up of this thing that went on the helmet. And at the other end of the table was the cardboard template cutout where this little side piece that was supposed to be attached to the side helmet started out as. And so it was really cool just to see that process where everything you just essentially started out with a piece of cardboard and napkin to this high-tech 3D printed thing, and then is eventually, you know, shipped and imported out for manufacturing. And seeing that entire process, like, happened is is really cool like anybody who's in design knows that there's a lot of processes in this but like we've actually seen it happen and seeing it happen at a large scale is is pretty neat
0: you know another thing that's opened my eye to is um, a lot of women complain about the lack of choices of gear icon has a lot of very nice gear for women i found a lot of stuff there some of the boots really cool boots for women um jackets pants everything so, big thanks to Icon, and yeah, give, him, yeah. give it give it a look.
7: Yeah, and I'll, I'll sum it up. You know, you can tell a successful company, or one of the barometers, I think, is, yeah, they're profitable, but you know what? You can tell Amanda really likes working there, and I'm sure they have a hoot doing what they do. So I think when you have that, you know, the, the all those things, you have good stuff that's made well, that's safe, and you have a lot of fun doing it, that's a good company.
0: Mikey, what did you think of it?
4: Um, I thought it was... I thought it was pretty interesting. I mean, it's such a small company. Um, I enjoyed to see all the art, you know, mm-hmm. side of it too. And um, you know, when we got to go into the little area with all the clothes, personally myself, I, I don't really know that I have a style when it comes to stuff. But I definitely know what I don't want to have on me. You know what I mean? And, and uh, I didn't really get that sense there. I just couldn't find anything to fit my shoulders. It's like they make it if it's small Asian men or some shit. You know what I mean?
0: You mean like not? Nah. Yes.
4: Yeah. A pair of extra large gloves on. I'm not a small Asian man. Look at my I don't fucking hands. I think. I don't know. My hands like the size of a brick. Like you try to put a brick inside of one of those gloves, it's not gonna work.
7: You know, the other thing I thought was really cool is how many, um, how often you see Icon gear in LA in the Hollywood movies. You know, there was a bunch of movie mm-hmm. photos there where they have Icon gear in the movies, so it was
0: pretty neat. It was like a, a Batman outfit, and it was there was Icon gear that they had.
7: Yeah, Terminator, Batman. Yeah, yeah,
0: really cool. So, um, big thanks to Icon. Really appreciate it.
7: Big thanks to Amanda Amanda and Icon. Yeah.
0: And, yeah, uh, yeah. check them out. All right. We're bringing this to an end here. It's been a long weekend. Bagel, Emma, Mike, what did you guys think? Again, this is your first time here. Are you going to want to come back another time? Oh, uh, hell
2: yeah. There's j- absolutely no question of it. Uh, I'm counting the days till next I mean, year. I am definitely coming back again. This was fantastic.
0: Mikey?
4: Um, I don't know. It depends if I get some <laughs> chiropractic work done. Maybe I could stand up for the whole weekend. That would be all right. If my- I come next year, I'll bring
2: my bike. Hi.
0: Uh, yeah mike's been in a little bit of pain yeah.
2: uh next year mike i'll let you be the big spoon yeah yeah and, and yeah. there there is one more person i would like to give a shout out to that we haven't
1: mentioned yet uh i don't think it was a jay Shia. who built that awesome bike out of boston 18 years old uh took a 1957 uh indian that was just it, it just turned it into this amazing custom bike i can't even describe it you got to see the pictures doesn't like it's it. so cool I think
3: it's all right.
0: (laughs) Jim, how about you? This is your third year in a row. Did it hold up?
7: Yeah, like I said, every year they get get better and better. That's how Um, all the
4: shows are getting.
7: You know, but what I'll say is because, you know, we like to keep it real. Sometimes when keeping it real goes wrong. No. But, um, you know, the one say because I'll say here's the flip side of the coin, and you guys may not agree, but, you know, Indian was the main sponsor of the event, so it was obviously Indian heavy. You know, one thing I, I felt there were so many Indian motorcycles. I mean, before you even get through the door, you're looking at like probably 24 brand new Indians that they have displayed in these trailers, right? Then you walk through the door and there's more Indians and more Indians. I get it, but I would have liked to have seen a little less Indian motorcycles in there because how many versions can you look at? Um, because I felt like with the, the large number of Indians there, which are cool, it's still displaced, you know, probably another 20 individual bikes that you could have had there. So if I had to ding it somewhere, yeah, they had too many brand new Indians, okay, that's horrible. Um, but other than that, it was great, I thought the, the art was great, the bands were a lot of fun, you know, they had the electric mini bike races, um, no, it that, that was great, yeah, I'm looking forward to going back again.
0: Well, there you go, I think that's our synopsis. Uh, one show is one of the best events that I go to and, and I always say I feel like it's a big social mixer there's so many people just to meet and hang out
3: with yeah shout out to all the people who rode out to the show that (laughs) had to face a snowstorm going back or the day after it's pretty wild you keep it up there uh, (laughs) Portland Riders you guys are keeping it real
0: yeah yeah Portland you did not uh, did not disappoint had a great time Um, so thank you everyone for listening I hope you enjoyed it and if you're gonna go see a show this is a great show to come to one moto show in Portland, I think, uh, is a wrap this year, and uh, maybe next year we'll do it even bigger. All right, thanks again, everyone. This is Eliza.
4: Happy birthday,
3: Freya. Nicky Jim, Bego, Emma, darling. We're gonna do steak at legs next year
0: <laughs> if you don't fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, we're out of here. Cool, cool.